Hello and welcome again to the second episode of the very first series of the marvellous new podcast Production Wise. In this podcast we trawl through the complete back catalogues and discographies of famed producers to find out what makes them tick, what they're all about and what their sound really is. Um, I am James, I'm joined by my co-host Graham. Hello Graham. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Obviously, Graham, I'm very excited to be here introducing our marvellous episode about the wonderful, the legendary Danger Mouse. Um, now, Danger Mouse, of course, he's a slightly different kettle of fish, I would say, to our previous episode on Terry Date, um, mainly because he's a bit more of a, mus- uh, a, bit more of a musician in his own right. Um, Obviously, he's a much sought-after producer, um, but the difference with this episode is we're going to be dealing with a huge number of his collaborations, even solo work, um, and I think you you feel his presence a lot more in the albums that, that he puts out. Am I right there, Graham? Yeah, definitely. He's definitely got a real artistry to some of the albums that he's you know released where he's mainly been writing. And these albums are biggins. Well, who are some of the artists we're going to be looking at this week, Graham? So we're going to be looking at Beck. We're going to be looking at The Good, <sighs> The Bad and The Queen. We're going to be looking no. at The Black Keys, U2, oh. and many, many more. Yes, so much more. That is, that is the very least of it, the tip of the iceberg. Um, a couple of things I wanted to address ahead of this episode. This was recorded in the past. Uh, in, I think, hmm, October, November of 2020. Um, and this is that's kind of quite a long time before we found out about the very untimely passing of MF Doom. We will be covering uh, the Danger Mouse-MF Doom collaboration, The Mouse and the Mask. I'm going totally from memory there. I'm assuming that's what it's called. If not, it would be a good name for that album. Um, so obviously we won't be talking about it in that context in the episode. Um, I also wanted to mention, when we discuss the Sparkle Horse album, I make reference to a song that features LCD Sound System's James Murphy. Uh, If you try and find that song, you will fail, because it doesn't exist. Um, (laughs) It actually features uh, James Mercer from The Shins, who we'll be hearing a lot from in this episode he's a big collaborator with danger mouse uh that is the song insane lullaby again going totally from memory i might be completely wrong about that and i'll do a correction next week if necessary um with all that out of the way that clears the path for us to simply sit back and enjoy our exploration of the work of the great danger mouse So, uh, Brian Joseph Burton. Mr. Burton. um, Started sort of making music around 1999, 2000, Mm. 2002. Um, His earliest albums he created himself were under the name Pelican City. Yeah, yeah. Did you listen to any of that, James? I listened to the shorter of the two projects, and then when I was uh, sort of listening to a lot of this stuff on Shuffle, I got a, a couple of the the other projects' uh, songs come into it. Um, 
And you mentioning it that, that you know he's kind of started around ninety nine two thousand. It I think it kind of shows on 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 these these early Pelican City projects. Um, they sound very of the time. They do sound a bit sound a bit homemade. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's interesting that they're sort of they are a band. I think there are four members. Right, right. Um, even though it's mainly his project, um, and it leans towards trip hop and yeah. Post rock a bit, and it's, they're all mainly instrumentals. I did think, you know, despite despite this sounding quite um, primitive, nowhere near as sophisticated um, as a lot of the stuff that he goes on to work on. This did have a bit of a, it had a bit of a vibe. It had a bit of a, had a real feeling and an atmosphere. Aren't they kind of posited as movie soundtracks, or you know, the kind of OC uh, OSTs? Yeah, definitely. One the first one is 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 called an original motion picture score. Is that a real? Um, is that I'm a pretty real sure film? there's no film. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there isn't a film linked. I mean, there could be. It made uh, me apologies if there is. Really sorry, guys. Um, it made me when I was going into the project think I was very apprehensive. I don't listen to soundtracks. I kind of don't. I personally don't really think they're worth listening to. Maybe, maybe, maybe doing. This podcast, we might encounter a couple. It might change my mind, um, but it's not something I I, I I do a lot. Is listening to to soundtracks. What about you, Graham? Do you, I mean, did did you think? Oh, soundtrack. Here we go. Um, no, I listen to soundtracks. I but I do feel that like listening to one when you haven't seen the film is kind of pointless because uh, that's sure. kind of the whole point. Um, what if but the film if it, doesn't the even the film exist, doesn't Graham? exist, well then you know you're in a precarious position. That's a difficult. That's a difficult spot. Um, yeah, I mean. But, I, it, you know this this wasn't this wasn't like something I've never heard before. It probably would have been a bit more um, interesting if it was released five years before it was um, in, yeah. the, in the mid nineties. That kind of sounds where it it's, it's from. It reminded me of an album I quite like called Dust by DJ Muggs. Some of the songs on that that have got that kind of kind of eerie trip hop slightly post-rock, atmospheric, acoustic guitar kind of sound. Um, yeah, it was a vibe. I quite liked it. They were pretty good. And then in well, 2000... Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I should ask. I should ask. Did you did you think... You know, I said it wasn't as sophisticated as he went on to be. Was there anything of his later sound on these uh, on these projects, do you think, on, on Pelican City? The only thing I found in Pelican City is it was the start of him thinking in more cinematic terms in terms of sort of the length of songs and the atmosphere. Sure, yeah. I think he's a very atmospheric producer. Um, you know, he's quite spooky. Pretty spooky. He's a spooky man. We might be yeah. talking... That's, that's a word that might come up quite a lot over the course of yeah, this. Yeah, that's uh, going to be said at least 50 times today. At least. Um... But yeah, they're worth a listen if you're ever interested in seeing how he started out. If you're doing your, uh, if you're studying for your A levels or something, like good, good revision music. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we've got his first sort of more notable project, which is Ghetto Pop Life with the rapper Gemini. Gemini. Uh, what did you think of that? So when when I press play on the album, I was like, oh, here he is, it's Danger Mouse. Amazing, fantastic! You know, um, it, it's it's just, it just it's just very Danger Mouse as soon as it starts. I think there's maybe an intro track and then it goes into the first track proper, um, and as soon as it dropped into that, you can just hear his 
the eerie backing vocals, the strings, the drum programming. Um, it's it's kind of his, his the most sort of basic version of his signature sound is there more or less straight away and is present throughout the album. I thought. Yeah, I thought that. I thought it's it's so soulful and funky, yeah, and sinister at the same time. Um, and he, the the music really underlines Gemini's rapping, which is great. Yeah, uh, how was how did you how did you I feel found... about Gemini? What how do I feel about? Yeah, how was what were you, what were your feelings about this uh, gentleman? I thought I thought oh, it's a shame he's kind of faded from uh, existence because he probably you know he was equally as good in this album. Sure. Um, but this isn't the album that got them, you know, this isn't the album that made Danger Mouse. That's probably why nothing happened with Gemini. Um, that's going to be what we talk about following. So maybe maybe that's the reason why nothing really happened with him. Perhaps, yeah, it's a bit, I, I mean, you couldn't really find much more music from him. I don't think he's even called Gemini anymore. I think he's called Big City, I think is his, is his name now. Okay, um, yeah. But yeah, it's a good album. He's got good flow. You, I, you could tell that he was very happy to have Danger Mouse as a producer. You could tell he, he, there were a few lyrics throughout where you could hear he's quite enamoured with this producer and feels quite yeah. lucky to have him. Um, I have to say, I thought he, again, I thought he maybe sounded a little bit dated um, listening to it now. That very, where he's giving you lots of syllables and, and like twisty turny uh, changes of pace and stuff with his rapping. There was also, I have to say, a song that I found totally reprehensible. Had a really, really nice beat. There was a song called I'm a Do Me. I'm a Do Me. Remember that one? Love okay. Letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, 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 I listened to it again yesterday and I was really, really enjoying it. And it's got, it's got all the Danger Mouse like backing vocals kind of swooping in and swooning all over the place. But the, and they're like repeating some of his lyrics. But it's like, did they get a choir in to say these stupid things that this man, <laughs> this man has written, you know? Um, yeah, so I was a bit... I think, actually, he tired me out a little bit by the end of the project. But but uh, production-wise, it's, it's pretty flawless. And, and, a, and, a, and a nice, like, exuberant debut from producer as well. Yeah, I really liked um, Medieval featuring The Pharaside. I thought that was quite a big track. Yes, that was really um, good. They, and they and they the way they uh, linked in all the little medieval themes and stuff like that was yeah. really really nice. I thought that was it was fun. Uh, one thing I've noticed about Danger Mouse is he seems to have a lot of fun. Sure. With some of his records, um, some of them as they get on a bit more melancholy, but some that you know some of these early ones are really fun. Yeah, yeah. You know he's enjoying himself, putting in bits and pieces all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose at this point also he's very much a a hip hop producer. Um, He's 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 beat making rather than yeah. um, writing songs with people and really really getting into it. He's sort of saying, "Here's something for you to rap over," um, yeah. rather than really getting into it with an artist. So, after Ghetto Pop Life, um, he created the Grey album, which was quite controversial, quite a big pop cultural moment for yeah. two thousand and four. Um, I remember it getting a lot of news coverage. It sort of made him overnight yeah. as the producer. Um, do you remember listening to it? I, I mean, I, th- I don't think I've really listened to it since university, and I think that's probably the first place I came across it. So 
the very late 2000s, 2009, 2010. So I, I'm quite behind on that. Um, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know about it at all at the time. But I can't okay. really remember when Danger Mouse started to be a name I would hear around. You know, it's... it's so, yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't hear this one at the time. So I remember it at the time just because uh, it started a big um, sort of conversation about copyright. Yeah. And basically, Danger Mouse created this mashup album of uh, Jay-Z's The Black Album uh, mixed in with the Beatles, you know, their ninth album, what's called The White Album. So that's why it's called The Grey Album. Um, Jay-Z had released the acapella versions of The Black Album uh, like a year la- earlier, I think. Um and there have already been a couple of remixes, albums coming through. Yeah. There's yeah. Like a Weezer one, which is pretty interesting. Um, I remember you really enjoying those acapellas at the time. Yeah, I, I just think it was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, that was from 2003. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's more than just a mashup album, I would say. He's really thought about putting them in a new light, both, you know, songs each time he does it. Yeah, I th- I think he's definitely composing and arranging. He's writing music here, you know. He's he's yeah. he's taking. I I th- I think he's more or less taken anything that could be a distinguishable sound from the White Album and turned it into a sample and used that as as his palette. You know, that kind of becomes his instrument. Is all these these endless, countless little microscopic sounds. Um, I can't imagine. The work it must have taken, even to just compile that selection of samples. Um, yeah, he he said he was incredibly like focused and in deep with this. Like you know, it was all he could think about. Yeah, and I, he get, just, I get like, it. Poured his heart and soul into it, and it you know it worked out for him in a way. It, it, he he wasn't aiming for it to be huge. He he was just really sharing it with friends. I suppose it's a, and, you sort of saying like. This this is this is this is what my imagination can do, you know. I, I I take I take these these things and create something new out of it. Um, I mean, what what do you think of the album itself? Do you, do you think it works as an album? Yeah, I gave it a listen again the other day, and I think it you know, it's quite tight. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think all the songs make sense. What he's mashed together, um, they're quite a few tracks where he's put like two two Beatles songs together mm-hmm. with Jay-Z over the top. Um Yeah, I think I think it's great. I think I can see why it made such a fuss. Yeah. Um because yeah. it didn't just make such a fuss just because of the EMI um the Beatles music label uh were very annoyed because people started selling it. Um out of order. And you know it was it was huge in the charts. Uh, people were downloading it with left, right, center, and they wanted Danger Mouse to actually go and testify against the people selling it. Sure. Court, which he obviously did not want to do because they were his fans. Um, and it's interesting to note that Damon Albarn has a part in squashing the beef with EMI. Oh, really? Which we'll go he into later. Him up. Yeah. Nice. Um, well, I, I mean, according to Wikipedia, at least, um, Paul McCartney weighed in with some heavy words. Take it easy, guys. Uh, he... It's just a tribute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he liked it. 
And uh, Jay-Z liked it. Um, and yeah, he was just like, yeah, it's just the music label doesn't really like it. Just take uh, it easy. Yeah. So great. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, overnight, that sort of transformed his life. It did. Yeah. I mean... This this one is kind of difficult for me because the White Album would probably be in my top ten albums ever. Um, yeah, and I do like. I mean, you know, listen, listening to it, looking at the the sort of songs sampled list, I do like how much um, he doesn't really go for the obvious all the time. He really goes for what works with this song, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. So he doesn't take all the obvious riffs. I think the most obvious. Um, thing he does is the 99 problems helter skelter mashup i think that that's the closest to an actual mashup that he that he does on that album the rest of it's a lot yeah. more chopped up and found um i like how much uh savoy truffle pops up um because that's one of my favorite beatles songs um for me the best on it is the um what is it 9th of december or something about december where he, oh, he December does December fourth. December fourth. Yeah. Nature, mother's son. Mother nature's son. It's pretty yeah. amazing. That I think. I think that's a pretty. Bri- I think that's a beautiful uh, song. To be honest, the only problem I have with this is I just can't stand the sound of um, Jay Z's voice. He's oh, what when he's all like, <laughs> yeah, all that stuff is 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 tough. I know you love it a lot. It's your boy. Yeah, uh, and he's just got that kind of like, you know, like I, I would imagine him standing a little bit too close to you. Um. He sounds a bit hard of hearing, you know what I mean? He's really, he's just talking at that pace, you know, the whole time, he's at this volume. It's like, please, will you... There's a bit at the end of the album where he's, uh, like, thanking loads of people, thanking his mother, and it's like, thank you, Mum! He's like, Mum, don't shout in your mum's ear, please. She's... (laughs) Yes, but, but, I mean, yeah, as a project, it is... I I can see why it caught caught attention and and why people wanted to work with him, because it is a bit like... It sounds like it's made in his bedroom, as, as far as the maybe the the, um, the the mix is concerned, I know it was remastered within the last few years. Um, but yeah. you, you can see the potential here. This is someone with a, with a musical ear and vision. Yeah, so this album really caught the attention of Damon Albarn, who had recently completed Gorilla's first album. Right. Um, Which is a great album. It is a great album. Um, what's it called, though? Uh, it's just called Gorillas. Is it? Self-titled? Yeah, pretty sure. Well, it's great. That, yeah. is a, that is a great... So... Great insight yeah, here. A, that's a really good album. <laughs> <laughs> you want insight, you'll get it. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so, <laughs> well, no, no, wasn't, I mean, he yeah. was kind of working very closely with Dan the Automator on that album, wasn't he? You can yes, hear him. The first he, album, he pops yeah. up a lot as as a as a sort of guest vocalist, but I think he's he's handling a lot yeah. of production on it as well. Um, and um, I suppose the the thesis of Gorillas is work with as many different people as possible. Consider all possible influences. Try everything. Try anything. Um, just make it as rich as possible. And 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 it kind of it's a project that more or less worships uh, pop in in. In every single form. Yeah. Um, but I think there is a stark difference between this album, so Demon Days, and their first album. And that is because of Danger Mouse being enlisted to produce it. Um, he also came in and said with EMI, Damon Arbon said, look, I want to work with him. Uh, kill this B 
Beatles stuff right now. Squash the beef. And he, he, he mediated and squashed the beef. Um, it was due to him. So we might not even have, would have had Mr. Damien Rouse's same kind of career without him, perhaps. Damien? I now I know I know he's kind of you know particularly in the in the Blur Oasis thing, Blur always painted as a sort of like middle class art school people. I wouldn't like yeah. Damon Albarn to be annoyed at me. No, I wouldn't either. He looks like he'd be pretty frightening to to if he you know <laughs> yeah if to, if he's you know him being friendly with you would would be great. But I feel like he could really really turn, you know, and become quite yeah. threatening. Um, yeah, so I can understand why, why why EMI acquiesced. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he got him on board. And as you said, there are some incredible collaborators on this record. We've got De La Soul, Nina Cherry, Martina Topley Bird, Roots Maneuver, MF Dune, Ike Turner, um, Sean Ryder, Dennis Hopper. Um, I think noticeable of those, um, this is the first time he's working with MF Dune. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, uh, he's meeting quite a few people here that he will probably work with again or influence, you know, his sound going forward. Well, I did wonder, d- did uh, Danger Mouse bring MF Doom onto this project purely because the um, the Gemini album was released on Lex Records, um, ah. which is a UK-based uh, label that I know at least now uh, Doom puts a lot of his projects out on, and he's he's very heavily affili- affiliated with that with that label. Um, so I wonder if that's if that's Danger Mouse kind of creating connections, um, because I mean I don't think I you know this was a year after the Mad Villainy album with Madlib, uh, the collaboration. Yeah. So I mean that's the most high profile thing that Doom had done to that point. Um, but I suppose this this is about as mainstream as MF Doom has ever been, you know, being on this huge pop album, you know, made by Damon Albarn. Um, and I suppose, again, that that is sort of like the 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 Gorillas project is is bring people in, give them a try, you know. Who th- th- there's good stuff kind of going on everywhere. Not everybody's always going to know about it, and it's a good way to introduce people. Um, this is so. This isn't produced head to toe by. Danger Mouse, is it? It's it's because I mean, obviously, Damon Albarn's an amazing producer in his own right. Um, I think but, people come in and out, but he is the the lead producer. Yeah, he's there for most of the tracks. Um, you can definitely hear him. I mean, this is this is his style, his kind of pop and rock style coming through very very clearly and and instantly. Um, you've got all the all that that kind of very mid rangey palm muted bass. All the, the amazing um, acoustic guitar production. Anytime an acoustic guitar pops up in a Danger Mouse song, it always sounds so ghostly and like it's whisking you away somewhere. Um, did you did you like this album when it was out? Did you did you care about it or? Yeah, I loved it. I think this album uh, had some really good singles. Yeah, yeah. I think all the singles released singles from this were cracking so you had like dirty harry feel good inc um obviously dare was huge i see i i didn't like it i think you know what it is i think i would hear these because that's the mad thing about gorillas is they get played on on mainstream radio capital fm and stuff like that so this would be what i'd be hearing on the way into school you know and um and and i think it, because because it, they were such ubiquitous pop songs they they got a bit 
old for me and, and kind of got on my nerves a bit. Now, I think Dare is about as good a song that's ever been made. I just, I, just, I think that song is just a total masterpiece. Um, I think it's easily, I mean, easily one of the best things that Danger Mouse has been involved in. Just, just I, I mean, I, I just think that's an... Even with Sean Ryder on it, so so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it. I just think that song is unbelievable. To, a, a total masterpiece. One of the one of the best songs of the last twenty thirty years for me. I think the entire album sounds amazing. Yeah. It could be it's up there with one of his best sounding albums that he's been a part yeah. of. Um, I think as you said about the guitar and stuff it's yeah. just and the mixing of genres in in the songs themselves is just flawless it never feels like the two three different songs being put together it all, no. the flow is really nice um well, last living sorry. souls go, no, go ahead stands go out ahead, for me last living souls is just an incredible that is an amazing song yeah yeah album opener and it's just it like it says everything about what they're about to do yeah yeah uh, what, what you also, I, th- I also think that Danger Mouse and Damon Albarn complement each other really well, because um, I, th- I think they're both very, they're both very distinctive, overpowering presences on on the things that they work on, and maybe to a detriment sometimes with Danger Mouse, as we might explore with some of these albums. Um, but the way they kind of like, you can hear, there's Damon Albarn on the keyboards, there's Danger Mouse producing the guitars producing the bass programming the drums um they they, it just it just gels together very very nicely on this album i think also this album is sort of where he started to find the way he likes working which is creating songs in the studio having a part in writing the songs you know performing on them he's very hands-on producer he likes to get right in the middle of things and he prefers i've read that he prefers bands to just make things from scratch with him as opposed to come with ready-made songs you know he has come he has worked with bands with ready-made songs before but he really loves just making stuff up in the moment that was a you big know, surprise writing to find songs out. with bands yeah i, I wouldn't have I mean, yeah i did not realize makes, that either it makes total sense because you know when you listen to the albums you think well he's obviously written this and he's obviously written this and he's obviously written this you can hear music that he's written on all of these albums um and it doesn't. It wouldn't. Doesn't, wouldn't make sense for his. Here's a finished song. Okay, I'm going to write a load of stuff that sounds exactly like me and lay it over the top. Uh, just you know, that th- they would be more collaborative makes perfect sense. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I saw a couple of interviews where he spoke to people and said, "Chuck away your songs. Write new ones." You know, it's just uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, yeah, and it's interesting that this is also you know the start of him just collaborating on albums with loads of people. Yes, yeah. I don't think I can't I can't see any Danger Mouse albums that don't have at least three or four people in really? the mix somehow. Yeah. And it um, did, that actually made some of the listening for this a bit difficult because um I suppose it's worth worth saying that the idea of the music producer is a bit of an old-fashioned concept and it's something that yes. as 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 people's relationship with music and how they consume it changes. Um the idea of an album is somewhat antiquated and i think with that so is a a, produ- a master producer who works on the whole album um and it kind of says to me maybe i'm a bit 
old-fashioned how I listen to music because I'm if if there's if there's a handful of producers working on an album as there are with a lot of these Danger Mouse projects it makes me feel a bit like oh I don't know what's going on you know a bit <laughs> makes me feel a bit doddery and confused um but we'll we'll come to that with some of the later projects um but yeah Demon Days is a bit of a masterpiece one I didn't listen to at the time really uh, because the the singles weren't for me at the time but um I I'm looking forward to digging into it more now it's a bit of an icebreaker doing it for for this this project yeah and i think it's a really good example of his work really it's it's just a flawless album i would say well done demon days nice work demon days um Um, and then a couple of years later he would go on to uh work with damon alban again well you would wouldn't you quite an interesting yeah you would you would. Um, if anything, I'd like to see them work together one more time. I think. Yeah, um, yeah. I suppose I'd like that's, for that's them the to weird... do something in the future. That that's kind of like the good and bad thing about gorillas is that you'd be amazed. I mean, like you know, so on the next album he had Bobby Womack um, on one of the tracks, and it ended up with Damon Albarn producing a Bobby Womack album. But I would not yep. expect to see Bobby Womack appear on another gorillas project. You know, it, feel, it really feels like you're in, you're out, we move on, you know. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting to note that Danger Mouse next worked with him and it wasn't a Gorillaz project. It, as you said, you know, he was, they're kept separate. They're kind of almost like little pockets in time. Each yeah. album is a little memory of new collaborators, which is kind of cool. What a nice Guess like an anthology. Grade. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Um, but yeah, Damon Albert. Queen, the worst name Decided for to make the good. Ever the bad and the queen or the best name depending on how you think about it <laughs> depending on how you think about it uh so it's a super group yeah uh, you've got damon alburn uh paul simonon simon tong and tony allen and, they're all and, quite famous aren't they yes I, I know who they are and um <laughs> danger mouse would not be considered a member of this band he's producer is that right no he's the producer okay yeah. okay yeah because i suppose he's, yeah, he's um, not involved in the second album is he it's just uh, as far as I can see, it was just on the first on the first album. Yeah, just the first album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you feel about that? Had you, had you listened to it before this one? I did. Remember, I remember it coming out at the time, being quite interested in it. Um, I think it, it's a good album, but it's not everything is that memorable. It yeah, kind of drifts by a little bit. Um, um, I I feel like they would have been really good to see live. They would have been a good you know gig. Well, this this was ex- absolutely not what I was expecting from this project at all. I thought I always assumed it'd be a bit more of a. I don't know why. I, I guess just because of the name. I thought they'd be a bit more of a r- rocked up kind of project, um, a bit punky. Yeah, I think when you think of all the members, you think yeah, they're gonna there's gonna be a lot of energy. But it's yeah. quite a sort of quiet, slow sort of listening album, really. Yeah. A lot of build up in a lot of the songs. I was expecting a load of song twos basically on on this album, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's like, but it's very, it, yeah, it was very acoustic, very lush and melancholy, and creepy, eerie. Um, sometimes it really worked. Um, you know, there's there's some of the songs just had. One thing that really saves Danger Mouse throughout the discography for me is he's got his 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 approach to sound doesn't always work for me but his sense of melody 
is what I kind of want from pop music. He's got that very sort of sweet, melancholy, sad, slightly eerie sound. Um, yeah. And it's kind of all over a lot of these projects. And it's it does make this 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 one more listenable to me than it otherwise might be, or a bit more memorable than it otherwise might have been. Um, yeah. But some songs just pale in comparison to others. And, you know, it's kind of... Yeah, it is what it is. I think "Open a History Song" is is one of the all time great Damon Albarn really? songs. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Okay, I just think that with the um, the guitar and it, it's just got like a such a melancholy vibe. I have to give it another go. Um, and I think the the closer, the good, the bad, and the queen is also really good. That's the only real rock song. Like is that the longer the one? It was like six that, or seven minutes. Yeah, when it yeah, and it gains momentum, and by the end, it's got like a big crescendo, and you know, okay, that's quite a good. I a made good a note one. of. Uh, um, I made a note of Nature Springs. That's very much up my street. Very dreamy, and and kind of yeah. blissed out and hazy. I, I liked it. Again, it's it's like I don't think there's any point on this album where you'd go rubbish. It's just it's just no. Not it's that a kind good album, and it does feel like an album more than a collection of songs. You know, they're all quite similar mm. similar instrumentation similar kind of vibe throughout the entire album um herculean and kingdom of doom are also quite notable but they, you know those were all picked as singles so that's probably why yeah. i suppose the thing um, i don't quite get I remember with them this the, <laughs> the thing i don't quite get with this is it so feels like a damon Albarn danger mouse collab um yeah i don't him only being the producer and then going on to make another album without him kind of doesn't make sense. i can't really imagine what that album would even sound like um, because it's so indelibly Danger Mouse on this, you know? Yeah, I haven't listened to Maryland, um, but it's interesting to note that the producer of Maryland is Tony Visconti. Well. So maybe one day. Maybe we'll, we'll come to that, to that later on. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's a good little album. Um, they were huge at the time. I think people just liked the idea of the supergroup. It was aspect. a big thing, yeah. I, mem- I remember People it. found it very interesting. Yeah. I just like Damon Albarn. Yeah, he's all right, isn't he? he? seems like a nice bloke. I just like him. Um, so he's really starting to show that... I think, you know, he started off as a hip-hop producer, but he's quite interested in sort of indie rock, rock, indie rock, yeah. that kind of vibe. That's I, something he wants to explore, I think. I was gonna, This was going to be one of my questions for you, but then I thought it's a stupid question. But um, No, go on. I was going to ask early on... Is Danger Mouse a hip-hop producer? I think people think he's a hip-hop producer just based on uh, Demon Days and what they think Demon Days is and then sure. some of uh, Niles Barkley, which actually, when you think about it, Niles Barkley isn't hip-hop at all. It's like pop uh, soul. A couple, couple of songs. Um, but I think people have just put that, you know, I think it's the name. And also, um, obviously, Danger Doom. Yeah. Yeah, I think Danger Doom people foresaw that and ran with it. Yeah, you know? I just felt like there are some people that call uh, Danger Mouse. He actually hasn't really produced much. No, well, there actually there comes a point in this discography. Um, in fact, the, the 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 bit of the listening that I found the hardest, I've suddenly thought I haven't heard a rapper for ages now. Like it felt it felt like it felt almost weird the idea of him working with rappers. It felt like such a long time ago when I was when I was yeah. Kind there's of like in the a seven. Here. 
seven, eight year stretch, isn't there? Yeah, without any yeah. sort of rap. Um, um, well, I know that he he lived in the UK for a couple of years. Um, yeah, and I think he was kind of. I think I I I I can only guess. You know, my assumption is that that how big indie was in this country at that time rubbed off. I mean, I'm not assuming he discovered guitar music in 2003. You know, um, but I don't know. It just it just. I just him 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 living in, in in the UK for for a couple of years just just kept kind of coming up in my thoughts when I was thinking about a lot of these albums and his sound. I think him being in the UK uh, probably is why a lot of his albums are so miserable sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he had a happy time. But I think he was living in New Cross and working in a pub, um, and he came just because the music industry was massive at that time as well. Right. I mean, it is now, but it was really like around. The, you're right. It was like the indie scene was popping off okay um but i don't think he enjoyed himself yeah i don't think he, lo- he looks back on that time that fondly well fair um, enough but he did say that when you know he was younger he grew up listening to like rock and stuff um and then when he went to school he went to a, a new school maybe for high school and he it didn't he didn't like fit in you know he was more and people put him in the box if you have to listen to hip-hop right um so then he got got into hip-hop but he'd always been interested in like a variety of music i i kind of liken it to um like hardcore scenes hardcore punk scenes a lot of i think a lot of bands um form as hardcore bands because it's an easy thing for lots of different people to get into um it's a very like rudimentary type of music um and it might not be what you ultimately want to do but you go well a bunch of my friends are in bands. Uh, I might as well form one as well. Not difficult to play the music. And then you kind of move out of it eventually when you when you feel more... You feel like, oh, okay, I've done that now. I'll, I'll, I'll move on and do my own thing. Um, yeah, not many of those bands stay in the same no. genre, do they? They all sort of Very rarely over time. And I think yeah. being a hip-hop producer, beat-making is something you can do as a very solitary person, which... Danger Mouse definitely, even though he's a big collaborator, he does kind of strike me as maybe that kind of young person. I can imagine him in his early 20s mm-hmm. being very solitary. Might not be fair on Danger Mouse to say that, but that's the vibe I get from him. So the next sort of notable band he works with is Sparkle Horse. Do you, have you ever listened to Sparkle Horse before? I have never heard or heard of sparkle horse before you 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 seem you seem to know of them beforehand and and like you were returning to it when when we were doing this yeah um i I wasn't sort of a massive sparkle horse fan but i do remember them being quite big on pitchfork right okay um and yeah this is quite a big album he produced um dreamt for light years in the belly of a mountain um, now is that the collaboration album or no that's the first time they meet in 2006 okay yeah so he did a couple of tracks on on the first album and then they did the full big project together with lots and lots of different guest singers yeah okay okay um and i think part of the reason um was that the uh lead singer um, who is Mark Linkus? Uh, unfortunately, passed away. Oh, um, 
before before the release of that second album. So that's why they have so many guest singers. I had no people idea. In. It's more of a collaborative album. Yeah. Um, so he produced, co-produced this with Danger Mouse, this album. Right, right. Oh, well, that completely changes um, my view of it, really. Um, yeah. I, I didn't but know I, that I, at all. Again, um, it, it's because uh, Mark listened to the Grey album. He invited him over right, um, right. to come work with them. Uh, it's their first studio album in five years. Um, so, yeah, for them it was a little bit of a musical rebrand, I guess. Wow, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, with, with, with this with this one, uh, it, it was the first album I think I struggled with um, in, this, okay. in this set. Purely because uh, I, when I listen to a lot of indie musicians like this, I don't dislike indie or anything like that. Um, but my my DNA, uh, uh, my genetic makeup is metal, um, and particularly from from like the the indie days of of the mid to the early to mid two thousands in the UK, I've got this kind of like built up aversion to indie sort of which i've had to in my own listening and my own broadening of my mind i've had to sort of overcome a bit um and i you know i'm always looking for that really really great indie album of the year um but sometimes with the artistic approach that indie musicians bring i i i feel like they can be a bit surface level sometimes and a bit and a bit um a bit overly aesthetic, um, and I think yeah. it's, I think it's something that that Danger Mouse is guilty of at times, uh, bringing bringing ideas because it's like of of. I such a difficult thing to 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 explain again. Like as soon as an album like this comes on, I start having an argument with myself in my head. You know, what I mean, it just it just it just does it to me, and it's not it's not fair, and it and it gets in the way of me actually listening to it properly. Um, but it can, I feel I don't want to say it's pretentious because that's that's kind of a bit too much of a blanket term. But it's it's a bit more concerned with how it appears than than really connecting with the music. For me, for me, that's yeah. that's how it can often feel to me. Um, with with some of these more more indie artists, we we might get into that um, with with maybe a couple extra a couple of people later on. Um, but it was super lush and really dark, spooky. This album, yeah, very dark, very sort of uh, melancholy, sad, quite yeah. depressing. Um, well, again, again. But, but light in elements as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose with their singer having passed away, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I turned out I was wrong about that. He passed away um, soon after recording the second album they collaborated with. Um, but it was released after his death, so Dark Knight of the Soul, which is the big collaboration album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So on the first, so album... they did. He, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting. I'm getting a bit um, confused. But yeah, so yeah, they would work again. Um, what's interesting though between this album and the next time they worked together, which is 2010, uh, so a couple of years later, is that it's billed as Danger Mouse and Sparkle Horse present. Yeah. So he's yeah. got more of a... And David Lynch did the visuals. <laughs> yeah, and some vocals. Which I remember being a big thing at the... Um, yeah, so he's on the album and he also did all the artwork and, like, okay. promotional videos and things. I remember that getting quite a lot of traction. Be worth a look. Um, people are often saying that Danger Mouse 
has like a David Lynchian sound to him in some of the later albums he produces. There is a bit I'm of evil if it in comes there. from that. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a, there is a, particularly on Niles Barkley and well everywhere really, but there there is a definitely a bit of a, a macabre, spooky. Ugh. So, what did you think of Dark Knight of the Soul? Uh, well, when I was saying um, a bit a bit pretentious, and that, I was I was I, I thought we I kind of got confused as to which album we were talking about. I was referring to Dark Knight of the Soul. Okay, um, yeah. I know that the other album, he more he, I think he was more of like a guest musician on a couple of the songs rather than being a full blown yeah. producer. Um, and I kind of I like that approach where each song felt like it had maybe a different group of musicians working on them. Um, but with this one, yeah, I, while it was, while it did have a very lush, spooky, full sound, um, and they kind of brought a lot of, there was a lot of instrumentation, a lot of layers, um, just some of the vocal approaches from the from the various guest singers got on my nerves a little bit. I did quite like the song that I don't think it was a vocal feature, but had uh, James Murphy on it. Um, it just had these like mad keith moon drums kind of like just just bustling underneath the mix the whole yeah. the whole time um yeah again it, it's it's a it's a i think it's an album i need to give a few more listens the amount of stuff we've got to listen to for this um for this project means i think an album like this doesn't get quite a fair shake from me when it's trying to break through my prejudices my prejudices graham you know <laughs> Um, I think this was one for me that I'd listened to a few times before. So I was kind of revisiting this one. Right. Um, Just War featuring uh, Gruff... 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 Gruff Reese. Gruff Reese. Um, Super Fairy Animals Man. Yes. That man. Um, I think that's a really great track. Okay. Um, and also uh, the Iggy Pop track Pain. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Was really good and really weird. Yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. Got some like really good drumming and the guitaring is very front, like frenetic and yeah. It's it's one of his better little pop-in vocals that he's done in the last couple of years because that's all he seems to do now is just he comes on a song every once in a while. Yeah, and beats yeah. Iggy Pop. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe I I don't know. Maybe I've been a bit unfair on the album. I'll have to I'll have to I'll have to return to it one of these days. But yeah, that's Sparkle Horse. You know. Two albums with them. That's pretty good. Uh, for what I've noticed from a few of these albums is that people do seem to come back to work with him or yeah, like working yeah. with him. And he likes working with the same sort of people as well and bringing people in and out. Um, and each project he does, he sort of adds another person to his roster. Yeah, true. <laughs> Seems to pick up someone um, and he'll even go on to maybe even create like complete projects with them and stuff. The Danger Mouse Cinematic Universe. Yeah, exactly. Um... So another band he's notable for working with are the Black Keys. Yes. What do you think about the Black Keys? My friends and yours. Um, I very fervently dislike the Black Keys, um, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was very much not listening. I, I thought uh, for, when, when, it's, when we do this, it's hard to tell exactly. It's hard to find the real, true, trustworthy production credits a lot of the time with this. Mm. I think the only production credits I could really trust are if I had the physical release in my hand and I can look at the credits there. I only own two of the albums that we're going to talk about in a hard copy. Um, so the rest we're kind of like, 
searching through all these different sites to try and find out what exactly did Danger Mouse do on this album and how many tracks did he produce and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. when I first looked at the list, I saw four production credits, four albums for the Black Keys, and I was like, I am not listening to four Black Keys albums. You can't. Yeah. You can't. But it's actually. Me. It's only two in it. It's only three. Th- it's three, isn't it? Is it three? Oh, come off it. I, I think know, he I... did Attack and Release. Yeah, I got that and El Camino. Uh, and also the la- the Turn Blue. Turn Blue. Did you listen to Turn Blue? Yeah, it was a. Oh no, I didn't. When's that from? Yeah, that that was the the that was two thousand and fourteen. I didn't listen to it. I love because yeah. <laughs> That's okay, I'll listen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. So, so um, my, my my problem with the Black yeah, Keys is is um is just uh, the, the the singer gets on my nerves a bit. In fact, I listened to I intentionally listened to a uh, an interview with them because I was like, there is no way that this man is singing in his own accent. I I just like the 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 kind of um again, it's that overly overly being being overly concerned with an aesthetic. And making a retro sound to this this era of rock that never occurred, um, and and this kind of like garage rock, blues rock mixture, really just does nothing for me at all. Um, and any singles of theirs I've heard have always really got my nerves. There's one song they've got about uh, the, the the next girl. My next girl. Yeah. No, 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 no. What are you talking about, man? Your next girl. What a horrible thing to say. Like it's just. Um, so they've always they've always just wound me up, and I think they used to, they had one song on a, on a FIFA FIFA game as well that just. You know that one most of all that would that would be on all the time. So I, again, I, it's prejudice. It's prejudice. So I try to come to this with 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 open ears. Do, do you have a, do you have a previous relationship with Black Keys? Um, only through working in retail, uh, Black Keys <laughs> seems to be the band that, you know, if you I have a playlist and you need some uh, shop friendly rock music. Yeah. Um, that just seems to be the only band people put on. Yeah. Um, because, you know, they, they, I think they like to think they're in the same kind of area as Jack White, but his music's a bit more weird, uh, a bit weirder. Yeah. A bit. You know, he's not. Whereas they seem to be creating hooky little pop rock songs. Yeah, they're I mean, always quite short, and they're always they're they're very straightforward. And they've always got good sort of big riffs at the forefront of most yeah. songs. Uh, uh, they're very uh, easy to listen to. Yeah, very very adverty for me. Um, yeah, incredibly adverty, and also quite you know it's hard for me to differentiate some of their songs because they're quite similar sounding um Um, i think it's notable that their their most famous album and arguably one of their best albums brothers uh he produced two tracks on it but did not produce that album yeah yeah Um, and it's a shame because i thought because i saw a production credit for him on there i started listening to it like he produced the whole thing and I think I reckon yeah. one of the songs that he did produce was that song from the FIFA soundtrack that I was talking about. And as 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 the album went on, I saw I thought, oh, I quite like the guitar sound on this one. It sounds a bit more encrusted. It doesn't sound quite so vintage. It sounds a bit more like it's. Um, it sounds a bit more like a sound. Um, 
But then, then I looked. Then I looked more closely at the credits, and I was like, I've spent half an hour listening to this, and I didn't even have to. <laughs> um, yeah, it's "Tighten Up" is the song that you're talking about. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is one of their most popular singles. Yeah, and um, you know, it's very slick. It's very slick, very poppy, amazingly catchy, like ridiculously catchy. Um, yeah, they won a couple of Grammys for that album. Um, well done. And he got one just through production, just through that two tracks. Right, right, right. And the other right. producer got for the rest. Um, but you know, um, look, but the Black Keys—they're not evil, you know. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna put that at their, at their, uh, at their door. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, did I like these girls? Uh, these girls. I just read a, 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 about a song called "Psychotic Girl." Um, I, I kind of liked some of the guitar tones. Sometimes they would go into a slightly more screechy, white stripes kind of uh, guitar sound. Um, sometimes they'd be very lush and sparkly, um, but uh, I don't know. There's always this kind of like tinny, retroy garage rock kind of sound to it that, that always pulls it down for me. There was a song on the on the album El Camino, called Black Submarine or something like that. Yeah, where it had like a quite a long acoustic passage. And then when it came into the big riffs, it really felt like it had earned it. There was a bit of there was a bit of breath and a bit of space on that song that I appreciated. Um, but for the most part, yeah, just just the whole aesthetic approach for this band really just gets on my nerves. Yeah, I I, I could see what you mean there. Um, the sort of band that I I'm happy to hear on an advert or around, <laughs> but I don't really spend that much time listening to them. Yeah. You know, album to album. I did find it interesting listening to their albums fully. Um, just, just to hear so much of their music, <laughs> you know, uh, but you know, I didn't hate it. Uh, no, you know, it was no, fine. Uh, and some of it was, and I would say that the one album you missed at uh, turn blue from 2014. Right. Sounded really good. Uh, he switches things up a bit, okay. and they all do. Um, and it's a bit more, you know, it's still garage rock, obviously, but he's just added in more sonic textures and tones, and it's it just sounds quite lush. Yeah, um, I think I think that's what I want. If a band like this, I appreciate for 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 Danger Mouse th- working with a band like the Black Keys, it's a chance to branch out, try something new, do the kind of thing you wouldn't normally do. Um, but also, I, I kind of want when a when a when a rock band works with a big name producer like this, I kind of want to have this like Willy Wonka's factory experience of an album. You know, I want loads of sounds and tones and guitar voices and keyboards and different styles. You know what I mean? And I think when he when you what what you end up with is a rock album. I'm just a bit like, oh, yeah. okay, well, there you go. You know. I'd yeah. say though, uh, yeah, definitely with the Black Keys, he's he's giving them a more sort of focused sound yeah. as opposed to pulling out any tricks. Um, I just did want to say when I worked in a shoe shop, Graham, and I didn't have control of the music; it would come from the head office, the, from yeah. the CDs that they sent. That's how I got into the band Melt Banana. I'd always heard of them, right? But it's the first time Great. I ever heard their music. Have you ever been given Melt Banana to listen to? Working in no. a shop, it was really good. I was like, "Wow, this no, is amazing!" No, I don't know who Melt Banana are. Oh, they're they're an amazing band. But I'll, I'll, oh. we'll, we'll come on to Melt Banana maybe one day. 
Okay. 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 Brilliant band. Um, so the Black Keys, another one of his notable bands. Um, now we're going to talk <laughs> about a couple of bands that you maybe haven't heard of. You know, they're a bit more low key. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first one, I don't know if you'd heard of them. I certainly hadn't. The Shortwave Set. Shortwave Set. I'd never heard of them. No. No. So. Now I have. This was yeah. This was 2008, same year that he produced Black Keys' Attack and Release. Um, What did you think? Was it anything stand out for you from Um, the shortwave set? Well, looking into it, Danger Mouse said, again, this is is all from Wikipedia for me, um, but Danger Mouse said at the time that they were his his favourite current band. Um, and it ended it yeah. ended up with them supporting Niles Barkley on tour and, and kind of um, featuring as a support act for quite a few bands. Um, when I turned this on, I, I liked it. I thought these are good. These are good pop songs. These are good melodies. There's a lot of instrumentation on it. Um, I, I almost thought that they had they gave me that vibe of the sort of early to mid two thousands XFM sort of bands. So when you'd hear Daydream in Blue all the time, and uh, bands like Athlete and um, uh, 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 Scorpio Rising by by Death in Vegas, all those sorts of um, uh, bands and and singles. I, I thought I could I could I would I, I could happily hear these songs on a on a playlist like that, you know, in the in of that time. As it went on, it really started to 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 wear me out. I think it was actually the vocal approach started to to, to get on my nerves because there, there's like a male female uh, vocal approach going on, um, and the man. After a while, I realised he's just like like him singing is just. It's like hi, I'm singing, I'm singing a song. It's just t- kind of talking, um, <laughs> you know. Hi there, da da da. Like just at, at the at the tone and volume that you would speak at, and as soon as that crept into my head, it started to sort of unpick my enjoyment of this album. The most uh, uh, disparaging note I made about this, uh, Graham, was um, the song. Oh, what? Which song was it? Um. Yeah, yesterday's to come. So. I thought that sounds like the theme to a Bond film that was produced by the civil service. Um, I just... <laughs> which I was quite happy with. It, 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 the ultimate um, compliment there. Yeah, Lovely. there was another song. I described them as a pretentious, beautiful South. Um, sometimes they sounded like a oh, what, wank, dad rock, pure reason revolution. I thought you might like that one. Um yeah, I, I I just thought. Also, also another brilliant joke I wrote, Graham. You'll like this one. Um, I thought because I wanted to look up what this band looked like um, because I could just imagine them wearing like horrible, like vintage secondhand suits. And I wrote the the sort of people who go to the barber and say, "Do your worst." <laughs> okay, and I was right when I looked them up. It's unfair because, because you know, this is their big major uh, project, their big major album, working with a huge producer, and, you know, they're not really a known thing anymore. I just thought, if you heard this band playing a small club or something, uh, or as a support act, or even, like, to be honest with you, playing a pub, you might go, wow, they are amazing. But hearing them working with a big-time producer like this... 
it just seemed pretty incongruous, you know, this... Yeah, it didn't really bring that much to yeah. the table. I spoke a lot there. Sorry, Graham. Did you have any thoughts on this album? <laughs> no, I listened to it once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys. Sorry, uh, 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 shortwave set. You know, the shortwave that, set. That's, that's very unfair. Yeah. It just so happens that I had a lot of funny thoughts while I was listening to it. Doesn't probably probably doesn't really reflect on the quality of your music. I do apologise. Uh, another album... Uh, released in 2008, was The Blue God by Martina Topley Bird, her sophomore album. Do you have, does that name ring a bell to you um, before it did, this It did project? ring a bell. As soon as I looked it up, I, uh, as soon as I looked her up, I was like, oh, Tricky, of course. Um, yes, and she's known for collaborating with Tricky on four to five albums. Yeah. I particularly love her stuff on uh, uh, Pre-Millennium Tension. Um, that's an amazing album. Yeah. And she does. She has some incredible vocal contributions on that on that album. Um, the, I thought this album was was really good. I thought it was great. I love it. This was my favourite sort of surprise album that I hadn't heard before. Wow. Um, I just thought their their two styles match together really well. Yeah, yeah. You know, he doesn't her style too of singing. Much. No, and it, it doesn't seem... It seems like an album by her, but, but it suits her, his yeah. sound that he's brought in. Um, and it's, Yeah, it's, it was it's, a nice little return to trip-hop and that kind of thing. It's a similar thing. It's kind of... I suppose this, for me, is like the, the good or the, or the better version of the uh, Good, the Bad and the Queen album, where all the melodies really really suit me they're all my kinds of melodies every little twist she puts on a melody to make it that that kind of sad spooky melancholy sound works really nicely but it's way more instrumentally rich um but it doesn't have all the typical danger mouse tricks on it you know it doesn't it doesn't have this like sort of faded uh harking back to to some some kind of mystical mythical era it it sounds like he was like, what can I do for you to make your album good, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's really shows in a song like Baby Blue. That was great. Um, yeah. Was a really good sort of highlight. But I really liked uh, Da 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 Da. Yeah. Um, which good. really was just like kind of a nothing song, you know, as kind of a bit of a filler. Yeah, you know, yeah. It sounds like they were just having fun in the studio. But the way that he can create that and, you know, turn that into an entire song... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way they've yeah. written that together, I thought that was just really cool. Uh, it's just her sing- essentially just singing along, but it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Um, it also nice to hear, um, though there are those kind of, like, you, you get a lot of the um, 50s, 60s pop um, Motown kind of approach that he brings to a lot of his pop music, that kind of... Yeah. You get a lot of and that horns on here. and things, and, and yeah, yeah, and the thunky, clunky, chunky bass as well. You do get some synthetic sounds on here as well, and and just listening to so much of his music in such a short period of time, it was a bit of a breath of fresh air to just hear, hear, you know, hear some really synthy sounding synths and some really drum machine sounding drum machines and stuff, you know, that didn't sound quite so treated. Um, yeah, it, it kind of doesn't. It is. It's almost exactly my kind of pop album, um, but kind of not quite. So melodically, it's really very me. But I, I do. I. I it sounds dumb because I don't listen to loads of pop. When I do, I like it to be very poppy. 
I like to enjoy it in quite an, yeah. yeah, I like it to be I like to enjoy it in quite an uncomplicated way. Whereas this is a bit more of like a connoisseur's pop album, you know what I mean? If you listen to lots of pop, this will give you something slightly different. Um Yeah. Yeah. But this was yeah, it's surprisingly good. Now what did you think of Electric Guest? So this is a duo that he sort of found and he encouraged them to, you know, refine their songs and turn them from just like bedroom pop into an album. Um, what did, what did you think, Graham? 2012. Um, I thought, oh, those are those songs from adverts. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's oh oh uh, right. Oh, I remember that um, advert. That was a great advert. Yeah, yeah. This this head I hold. I was like, oh, na, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. It's that song. Um, but yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was a good little album. Okay. Um, this album put me in a terrible mood. I have to say. Oh no! <laughs> this ruined my day. Honestly, there was no. There was a song. I, there, okay, I will say there was a song I liked on it. That I listened to again today called Amber. Remember that song? Yeah, Amber. Yeah, where I think Danger Mouse comes in a bit more, adds in some very very nice extra little clicky percussive elements, some really good um, synthesizers. I don't know if he's talking about Amber in a kind of Jurassic Park sense. Or if he's talking about like a girl from school or something, but it had a bit more of like a mystical kind of. There was a bit of an there's a bit of emotion on this album on this song I felt, um, but for me the 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 album was was really really tortuous to get through. Um, this kind of like <laughs> funky little white man singing and and um, it's you know what it is also it's when it's a little it's a very short period here with the discography. It's where Danger Mouse really gets into that like millennial pop sound where it sounds yeah. like there's a bunch of like chirpy young people doing backing vocals and there's a lot of like what oh kind of hooks and stuff. I you know what it was? Just texturally there was there was not a lot for me to get into uh on this one. I didn't I just didn't like the sound and and I didn't think they quite had the pop chops, you know, to 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 say like here's here's just ten great pop songs it's not that for me i do think at this point he's sort of encouraging people yeah and maybe you know maybe he's over you know overestimating his his talents uh he's very talented but at the end of the day unless unless he's collaborating with them i think he's better when he makes music with people as opposed to these couple of bands where he's come in and he's just trying to make their music even better and they they aren't amazing in the first place yeah i think you know? i think well when we were talking about terry date last time elevating material um you know give us your songs i will make them sound as good as they possibly can um yeah danger mouse is more of a writer um and so yeah. he he <sighs> Yeah, it just gets it gets a bit wishy washy sometimes um, with this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've found this uh, pretty painful. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, guests. guys. Um, Electric guests. But fab work in advertisements. Yeah. So I think we're now going to talk about some of the heavy hitters because by this point in his career, he's getting offers from probably, I imagine, everyone. Everyone's probably like, yeah, get me that Danger Mouse. I yeah. want the Danger Mouse. Hey, Danger Mouse. Um, Amazing. So he's probably can be quite selective, I imagine. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I'd imagine anybody would go, uh, oh, I'll do a Danger Mouse album. Yeah, that'd be fun. I'd see what that's like, collaborate with him. It'd give me, give me a little bump. Yeah. And uh, it might be an interesting creative process. And I can always look back in my discography and go, oh, yeah, there's my Danger, Danger Mouse album. You know, like a, like a yeah. sort of trophy. Um, I can imagine it being. Uh, yeah, I think, I think I feel like that's definitely the case for this next album. So um, working with Beck on Modern Guilt. Yeah. Which is a, I feel like a, one of Beck's classic albums. This is a killer album. It's a great album. Yeah. Um, and it's a bit different from some of the other ones that preceded it and followed it. It's a very instrument-led album, I'd say. You know, it's quite tangible. It's all very guitar rock driven. Yeah. Well, the the only Beck album I'm really very familiar with is Sea Change that he did with uh, Nigel Godrich, and that yeah. is a that's. You know that's a that's a bit of a sad album, um, and this is not that at all. How long is this album? Like thirty-two minutes, thirty-five minutes, or something. It's really short, um, and it just it just completely flies by. And every single song is, I think, just totally mad. It has so many different. I think I think because Beck is so good at writing pop vocals, you know, pop pop hooks and really really great melodies that no matter how mad this production gets with all these like two minute songs where the drums feel like they're falling down the stairs and everything's really overblown he 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 just kind of like cleaves through the middle of it with with his just like v- very forceful vocals and just endlessly catchy melodic earwormy vocals he's just uh, yeah this this is like a this is a perfect collaboration i think yeah, and I think Beck is also one of those people where some of his albums have been more sort of driven by how crazy he can make them sound with putting literally everything in the song, you yeah. know. Where, whereas this is really sort of focused. Or very, yeah. From, yeah, um, and it, it, it's not as poppy or as upbeat as some of his other albums, but it, it really toes a really nice line between his uh, more positive music and his more melancholy, introspective music. Yeah. It's somewhere right smack in the middle, um, and all the songs have really got a real driving rhythm to them. I felt. yeah, I, I kind of that's the thing. I think if you took if you took Danger Mouse off of this project and put him with with just standard person, I'm going to make your I'm going to record your music and put it out. You'd have like ten or so strong melodic guitar pop songs. With with you know that kind of with enough variation and stuff, and the 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 the, the, the what Danger Mouse brings is just a, he's just got his own album going on over the top of it, you know it's kind of like two yeah. two albums just like smashed together, um, yeah and I because I, I always I always love Profanity Fairs it's a song we used to listen to a lot at university, um, and it's like one of my favourite pop songs of the last how many years. Uh, but I don't know why I never... I just never bothered with the album. I just, always just assumed it would be bland or boring or whatever. Um, oh, I remember when it came out, I was obsessed with it. I think Gamma Ray is one of the all-time greatest little guitar rock songs. Yeah, yeah. And there was there was, there was was one tune I really loved. That it just sounded it sounded like... like The drums on it sounded like... Um, uh, like Lightning. It was the song Walls. Was it Walls? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the one tracks that he wrote with Beck. Okay. Um, oh, I can hear that, yeah. But yeah. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Um, yeah, Wolves is great. It, that's why I say it sounded very much like I've got my Beck songs and then we've got the Danger Mouse production. It didn't sound like it had that. It didn't sound like a Danger Mousey album. It sounded like a Beck yeah. album, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I could listen to this and instantly know it's Danger Mouse. No. Winner. Producing. But it's great. Winner, well done. And it's it, the shortness of the album as well, yeah. 33 minutes, fantastic. So fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just That's what I like to see. All the short, shot, in and short. out. Uh, and also, doing this project of listening to 30 or 40 albums, when you get a really, really fun short Beck album that's just full of great tunes, it's just like, thank you for that. That was, that was really, <laughs> yeah. really easy to do and very, very satisfying. I would also say... I'll come on to this when we talk about uh, Niles Barkley a bit more, but it's a very instantaneous album with a lot of depth. So you can listen to it once and go, oh, it was great, but you know that there's loads of stuff to get into on there as well. Yeah, there's lo- lots of hidden sounds and sort of melodies and textures. It's good. Thanks, Beck. Nice work, Beck. Thanks, Beck. Um, next, he worked with... Uh, I, didn't, I had no idea about this album. I had no Me idea neither. this happened. Um, Nora Jones, Nora, Little Broken Hearts, Nora Jones. I when you think of Nora Jones, what do you think of? Come away. Like, what do you me. know her for? Come away with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, basically the advert for Come Away with Me, the album. That's that's that's. I I don't really know her stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, I don't know her stuff at all. My 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 wife Elsa. Uh, really, really loves that album. So I've heard songs here and there over the years. Um, but I've never sat with a Nora Jones album. And she's not really a, like, let's, uh, you know, it's the it's the morning radio show. Let's play Nora Jones. You know, it's just not... Um, so you've, you've got to listen to it, basically, to hear it, I think. Because she's huge in her own right. Yeah, she is a big star. Um I yeah, just say, she's one of those stars that had a massive debut and then sort of it's just kept going, really. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did sort of raise an eyebrow when I saw her in the in the discography. I went, "Oh, did a Danger Mouse album?" Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I would well. say one thing I've noticed about this album is uh, it is very clearly a Danger Mouse production. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I do feel it overwhelms her a bit. Uh, it's very stylized, right? Right. Um, See, it feels quite cinematic. Yeah, it does have it does it does have that very soundtracky sound as far as the actual instrumentals are concerned. Though I I have to say I I don't know I maybe disagree a little bit. I just I thought her sort of for I think maybe because I came straight off of listening to um, Electric Guest and Portugal the Man, um, which. I just sort of like very danger mousey. All of a sudden, I thought her songwriting came through quite strongly and was a bit more forceful. But I only really got to give it the one listen and a couple of songs here and there a second time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it was a nice. It was a nice enough album um, with. And he, I think, his production gave the songs depth and a bit of extra drama. Um, because these, again, I think like the Beck album, these could be very bare bones, singing them at a piano or singing them with an acoustic guitar kind of tracks. Um, 
but I thought he just coloured it in here and there, gave it atmosphere, made it a place rather than just songs. Yeah, I, I think he made it feel like a full band. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I thought I thought the the songs, the songwriting was quite amazing. It was quite sort of melancholy, introspective. Mm-hmm. Love quite dark. There wasn't really any. It, even yeah. though she's more of a pop jazz performer, it wasn't really that at all. It was more singer songwriter, um, that kind of thing. Yeah, so maybe think of like Neko Case and some others. Um, but yeah, I thought it was quite surprising. I thought you know I was I didn't come into it with high expectations. He brought the spooky. Actually, it was really good. Yeah, it was very yeah. spooky, very good. good I think I would listen to it a couple more times. Um, the, and the it would make me interested to then dive in and see what else she's done. Since. I suppose the only thing it didn't have for me were songs that really leapt out. It worked nice yeah, as an I... album and a mood. Um, but other than a song, uh, uh, it was like a woman's name. I can't remember it now. M- Millicent or <laughs> something. Uh, Miriam. Miriam, yeah. <laughs> Millicent. Millicent. Um, yeah, I thought that was like a, that sort of felt, like a bit of a oh this really stands out but otherwise they were just sort of like nice nice songs you too yeah i thought after the fall maybe was quite a good good track on that okay people should check out after the fall by nora jones check it out guys uh i prematurely said the name of the next band yeah it's fine you can say more (laughs) say it all (laughs) i'll say it a lot um i have nothing to say about this album oh no i have nothing to say um I mean, like you can clearly hear Danger Mouse is there. And I think what he kind of brings, again, are those slightly more millennial-sounding hooks. But it sounded a lot more U2 than I expected it to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't very good, you know. <laughs> yeah, I listened to... No, you, know uh, what, you know what? listen listened to it twice, I think. And the second time I was oh, well. like... I'm not sure I want to listen to this again. <laughs> I have to say, it, it wasn't awful. And this was that no, album that was included on... It was put on everybody's iPod. Or yes, their yeah, iPhone. yeah. I remember one day you just um, woke up and it was there. And people were like, how dare you put you 2 on my phone? It's like... Uh, it, I don't know. They're the, like the biggest band in the world. Who can, what, it's, it's a 12-track album. Yeah, it's, yeah, people yeah. really were like, that is evil for you to put that on my phone. I don't like YouTube. I don't, you know. One yeah, thing I would, uh, yeah. One th- with the Electric Guest album, I would say that sounds like the album. You know, when you turn on Windows Media Player for the first time, <laughs> and it's got a preloaded album on there, and it's like this is an example of music. So this is what Windows Media Player does. You click on one of these things, and you'll hear music. Blah 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 blah. That sounded like that to me, right? Um, and you know, YouTube. It was better than that. Yeah, I, it's it's a good... If you're into U2, it's a good U2 album. Um, unfortunately, yeah. we're not into U2. That being said, though, uh, if we ever have to cover any more notable U2 albums, you know, I'd, I'll go into it a bit more. Oh, first. Yeah, yeah. I'd but love, with this one, nothing I'd really... i love to do their 90s albums. Yeah, nothing really jumped out at me, I'm afraid. Sorry, U2. Sorry, yeah. sorry The Edge. He's all right. Um, and then we'll probably have a bit more to say about this. So the last oh, of yeah. the heavy hitters... Um, and the last sort of album we'll talk about, into, and then we'll talk about sort of his more music he's created. Um, yeah, yeah. So the Red Hot Chili Peppers, The Getaway, in 2016. 
Oh, yes. Um, Had you listened this, to this? Th- listening to... This was the first time I'd listened to it. Same. Um, with, so, with, with Chili Peppers, right, they're, they're a difficult band because they're a huge band and they became huge. They became biggest at the beginning of this century. Um, they became an enormous band at that time. And people seem to really dislike those albums uh and you know they're like very much i want them to have slap bass and i want them to be rapping and i want it to be funky and i want it to be heavy um but personally i really really like by the way as an album and i really like stadium arcadium as an album the whole thing people hate that album that's the reputation it has i think it's absolutely brilliant uh, or two hours of it. I love it a lot. Um, and I love this 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 21st century Chili Peppers sound. I just think they make the kind of like soft rock that I I want. I just, I love their slow songs and their more melodic soft songs. Um, uh, but I didn't listen to the, the, their last two albums. I didn't listen to this or I'm With You or whatever it's called, the one with yeah. the big fly on the cover. Yeah, me neither. And that was mainly because... John Frusciante left the band, and I thought, oh, they're, you know, I, I can't be bothered with it anymore. One notable thing about Josh Kloffer is that he was Niles Barkley's touring guitarist. Oh, really? That's how they know each other. Um, well. And that when they made I'm With You, um, he found working with Rick Rubin a bit sort of hard. Yeah. Because Rick knows the guys he's known them for a long time yeah and he from what, the, what he says he says he didn't rick wasn't that interested with making a new relationship with him because wow. he probably was just like who's this guy i don't know yeah he's um, considerably younger than the rest of the band so then when they went to make the getaway um i think it was him mainly saying look i you know maybe we could try someone else and the band were kind of into that they were like yeah we've done so many albums of rick rubin let's give another guy a go yeah, and you know because he knows Brian, um, he was like, "I got the man for you." Um, another notable thing is that Flea broke his arm before recording this, um, which meant he couldn't play the bass for a while. So a lot of these songs are piano compositions. They started right. off as piano compositions, right? And he was flexing different muscles, musical okay. muscles, um, and that also this is another classic example of where they had a, quite a few songs written and. Uh, Danger Mouse told them to throw out the majority of them and start again with him in the studio. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, well, I was apprehensive about this album. I was looking forward to listening to it. Um, but the lack of John Frusciante, who, you know, is is an amazing guitarist and such a huge melodic part of Red Hot Chili Peppers, yeah. him, him not being on it, made me kind of like oh it's going to sound it's going to sound like weird chili peppers i don't know i was am- and 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 also you mentioned but you know it's the danger mouse style that they chuck out a load of songs and write with the producer i was amazed yeah. how much it still sounded like that very short era of chili peppers that i really love the early the early to mid 2000s it had tons of those sorts of songs that i really like they're here I loved them. I just thought they were brilliant. I, I couldn't believe how much I liked this album. Um, and I, I, again, it's an album that I think people are like, ugh, horrible, terrible, you know. Um, and that's what I judged it as beforehand. 
Um, but I, I was shocked by how much I like this album. You know, not amazing or anything like that. Um, but there was just a, there was a lot more here for me than I thought there would be. So many great choruses. Yeah, I think Dark Necessities is a real one of their really good all time great songs. Yeah, yeah. The longest oh, wave the Latin too. Stuff. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, yeah, it's really thought, good. It's got and it sounds amazing. It really does. I suppose the only thing I found to be a bit strange when it first came on is uh, their drummer Chad Smith has got such a distinctive sound. He's got such a punchy snare sound, and he's such a heavy player. And um, like Danger Mouse's drums always sound big, but they always sound slightly flattened. And the snare is always a little bit... It doesn't crack. It's got a bit more of a kind of sound to it. It's got like a bit more of an old school sound. So hearing that drum sound with Chad Smith playing, I was a bit like, ah, where's he gone? I was also fearful about how he produced Flea's bass because I don't think like interesting bass playing features much on Danger Mouse's albums. It's always very much a functional aspect of the sound. Um, and a lot of the time... Yeah, he likes playing piano bass as well, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but, so it was really weird to hear actual bass, like distinctive, odd, aggressive bass being played on this album. Um, so, but you still got a lot of the Danger Mouse stuff. You still got the lushness, you still got the nice, nice recording, and a little bit of the songwriting signature as well. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought. I mean, e- easily this is like a seven or eight out of ten for me. Yeah, I think between this and Beck, this is the most successful he's been at working with like a, a band that has like it's more notable, has a notable sound. Yeah, and still coming out of it thinking, oh, he's really brought something to it. Yeah, you two just swallowed him up. Yeah, they're just you two, aren't they? Um, yeah. This tick on Deroga stood out to me as a really rocking tune. Is that the name of a song? That was song number 10, and it just had, like, a very almighty riff. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know, I know the one you're talking about now. Yeah, I was surprised uh, yeah, by no, how heavy some of this was as well, how riffy it was. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite a heavy one. Um, but, yeah, I liked all the piano and stuff and the textures, and I thought Anthony Kiedis was really good in it. He, uh, he's just so good with vocal hooks. Hmm. Love it. It's so, yeah. great. It great. was great. And that's a good place to end um, him, you know, his, his production work yeah. Yeah. with other bands. Um, so I think now we should go back and talk about, you know, the bands that he has created himself, you know, mm. the collaborations he's and made. There's a few. There's a couple. There's not many, but they're, they're, they've really changed pop music with quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah. I think. Um, so the biggest one is Danger Doom. So this is MF Doom and Danger Mouse. Mm-hmm. And I think it was for Adult Swim cartoons. Yeah, there's a load I think, of... I think the album is, is to, yeah, sort of references Aqua Teen Hunger Force and some other ba- like cartoons that were on at this the time. Is, this is stuff I've never watched ever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're hearing all these like hilarious skits. They were quite funny, I have to say, but you're kind of like I don't know who they are, what they're talking about or, you know. Um but it wasn't so it was like 
MF Doom affiliated projects can have a lot of these samples and spoken bits and stuff, and they can be pretty trying to listen to. They can get old pretty quick. But they worked. This is the best that has ever been, other than on Mad Villainy for me. Yeah, um, I thought that. I thought it, it worked really well as an album out of the context of whatever it was trying to sell. Yeah. Um, and it, what was this, 2005? So. Yeah. I don't think it sounded too dated either. No. There were, I mean, a couple of his standalone hip hop productions from this time sound a bit cheesy now when they're very like horn led and particularly when you know how melancholy his his sound really is. Hearing him do this very like yeah. up, upbeat, chirpy morning breakfast kind of kind of stuff sounds a bit silly. But um yeah, he I I always remember this as being the sort of bland MF Doom project from the time, you know, the most like squeaky clean. Uh, compared to a lot of the other projects uh, but listening to it now it's probably his best it's his best hip-hop project yeah i thought the mask was really good with ghostface killer oh and yeah brack and zorak whoever they are <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe they were the i don't know um I, yeah. The thing yeah that's is, the sick tune space hose on this um coast <laughs> to coast is one of my favorite <laughs> well the thing is like I'm so familiar with the Mad Lib remix of it. That is probably one of my favourite hip-hop tunes ever. Um, yeah. And that's the one I'm more familiar with. So hearing the Danger Mouse version of it, I'm always like, oh, you know. I'm always a bit disappointed to be hearing it. Just because I love that, that song so much. But th- this album really flowed very, very nicely. The thing is as well, MF Doom is the most consistent, reliable rapper who ever lived. Um, he just does yeah. what he does, you know. He's he's just he's he's like a an automatic process, you know. You just all you have to do is turn him on, and he will just rap forever and turn him off, and he will stop. Um, so his aspect of the album is, I don't think he's got like, oh, that was a bit of a weak album from from Doom. He he's he's just always the same. He's always brilliant, always weird, always doing his own thing, and it's just about how well does he mesh with the with the production. And it's it's pretty good on here. It's maybe a bit squeaky clean for me, but but it's it's a quality project. And again, f- for me, um, Danger Mouse's best hip hop production. I think uh, Benzy Box is a good place to talk about as well because that's a song with MF Dude and Cielo Green, and then yes. he goes on to create Niles Barkley, which is his probably most well known. It's got to be his his music like... he's created. It's also it's it's definitely his biggest hits have yeah. come from these two albums um and i remember them being everywhere yeah and it just dominating radio tv adverts it's the kind of music that your mum would say hey 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 have you heard that that niles barkley fella he's crazy he's going crazy Proper tuneful he's really very tuneful, tuneful. um, um do you have but they any, are actually really good albums. Yeah, do you have any previous relationship with Niles Barkley other than just the mainstream uh, saturation of it? Had you listened to them as albums before? I'd listened to the first album as album, but I did not listen to the second album. Okay. Um, just because by then I was like, yeah, yeah, um, But I did quite like Sin Elsewhere at, at the time. Right. Um, what about you? Um, the two Niles Barkley albums are... I kind of view them as one album 
I kind of I don't really think of them as two albums. I do think of them as one thing. I I I, th- I think as an entire project, it's a total masterpiece. I I I think these two albums are amazing. Um, and as far as I'm aware, listening to a couple of interviews with um, with Danger Mouse, he didn't really write with CeeLo Green in the same way yeah. that he might have done with other artists he's worked with. I think he made all the music and then CeeLo Green did all the vocals and vocal melodies and hooks and made them songs. Um, yeah. But the performance... I mean, I, I think it's his best production showcase, um, Danger Mouse. But I think the performance you get from CeeLo Green on these two albums is just like... Where on earth did that come from? It, it's yeah. like who he had absolutely no mainstream presence at all before this, and all of a sudden he comes along, and like it's ridiculous just how much he does, how many vocal. I mean, just the quality of his vocals, the, his voice is just incredible, but the just the number of hooks, the number of memorable choruses, the way these songs move, how spooky and creepy they are, how, like, happy and sunny they are. Um, Also, lyrically, so strange. Like, he's got... He's, like, he's got so many little pleasing lyrics. Um, You know, like on on, um, Who Cares, when he's doing all the... uh, uh, basically, I'm complicated. Who cares? It's it's deep how you can yeah, be so shy. That that's such a good song. Yeah, yeah. And it's so pleasing just to hear him sing it. it <laughs> that's it. Yeah, you're just you you're just like I th- I I just think we're lucky to have this as a vocal performance across two albums. Um, that and also they don't tax you at all. These albums. They're so instantaneous, but they're so deep. And there's so much to 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 dig into and to have grow on you. Like even even listening to it for these um, for this pro- for this podcast, there were songs that I've kind of like you know I like them. All of a sudden, they really really just came to life for me. Songs like Online, um, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, I was like, "That song's amazing! It's amazing!" <laughs> um, and 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 the way that they go from right. So 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 sorry, I'm talking loads, but I really really love these albums. Um, what you get with 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 Danger Mouse usually is very lush, very layered, loads of instruments, loads of sound, very very textured. Some of these songs have more or less nothing to them. You know what I mean? There 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 are there are some songs. Um, where the production is so minimal, but and, and they almost kind of sound a bit messy and cluttered sometimes. But CeeLo just constantly turns them into pop songs, just just, just with his vocal performance. Um, and he's just such good company throughout. He never says anything dumb. He never says anything gross. You know, he never says anything stupid or cloying. All of his lyrics are interesting. He shows he shows vulnerability all the time. He's always talking about his depression, um, but he's also really fun. 
and 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 upbeat all the time. A song like Feng Shui, where he's just talking about how nice his living room is, and you know, <laughs> or Transformer. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, and 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 how 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 short are these albums? Thirty five, forty minutes, super short. Yeah, I just do not. I just think these song these these two albums together are miraculous. I, I've absolutely love them. Yeah, thirty seven for the first, thirty nine for the second. Super tight. Super. Um, I really like the second album. Um, I hadn't listened to it before. I don't think. Right. I don't listen to the singles. Um. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a bit more. They held back a bit more on the second album. I felt it's yeah, it's yeah less, wasn't as it's in less your face. Miles an hour, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's more laid back. I think well, um, the only one that is hundred miles an hour is like Run, which is yeah, the lead single. Amazing, that's a great, yeah. that's a great song. And what, the other the other lyric uh, the other lyric the other single is going on. I think yeah. I'm going. And on. he's going to save my soul. I think. Oh my god! What a song! What a song! Yeah. Um. But yeah, going on is the kind of. I think it's their second big. Oh, it's raining. I think it's their second biggest song on Spotify. Um, I I I just think that's. I mean, but what I should. What What are your thoughts on on um, crazy? Because that was the that was like the big iPod song. It was the most downloaded song of the two thousands. It was the wasn't it the first number think... one single based on downloads or something. Yeah, I think it was huge. Um, yeah, it yeah, it's it's got like its own Wikipedia page. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I do like Crazy, but it is I heard it so much that it doesn't do anything for me now as much, really, compared to some of the other songs on the first album, like Gone Daddy Gone. I get more love sure. from. Yeah, because you haven't been you haven't been beaten over the head stuff. with it. No, whereas Crazy, you did get beaten over the head because it was the biggest song in the entire world. I suppose it is uh, there. It's it like an Enter Sandman or a, or a Smells Like Teen Spirit or something like that, where it's like... Yeah, yeah. I, people I've like... Heard you, you would be hard-pressed to people that hadn't heard, haven't heard it before. Um, but the, although I listened to it this time and there's a bit where... I mean, obviously, it's, in a, it's, like, it's, a, it's a pretty amazing song. I mean, I, like, I, I would never listen to it. I would never put it on because I've heard it. Uh, and I, di- I actually really didn't like it at the time. But it's kind of difficult to fault as a pop song, really. Um, but no, it's just, kind of the perfect pop song. It is, yeah. Um, but, you know, there's that bit that it almost sounds like it's going to be in middle eight um, after the chorus. It kind of sounds like he's kind of going off into this slightly more melancholy bit. And you kind of... Th- I've always thought of that as its own little section where he's, he, he spreads out, does a big vocal, and it's a bit sadder. But that's just how he bridges back into the verse. It's just a little... Mm. It's only like a little melody that's super quick. I've always thought of it as being half the song. All it does is bridge one piece to another. It's, it's beautiful. Um, I, do you have any more thoughts? Because I, I don't want to... I don't want to... I have a lot to say about this album, but I don't want to just blather about it for an hour. No, I think, I think yeah, they're pop masterpieces, really. Um, I think they're probably what people know him most for so probably, yeah. probably people are probably more familiar with these than anything else that we've uh, talked about so far i would i would think so um i think yeah i think if you were explaining if somebody asked you 
who Danger Mouse is, you'd say, oh, he's the guy from Nars Barkley. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't say um, he's the guy who produced U2. <laughs> Even though obviously you two are a much 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 bigger band, you know it's it's th- this is kind of what he's known for. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to say much more about Nas Barkley just no. because they speak they like, truly they speak for themselves. Like they are two perfect records. For, yeah, um, I'd for, like them maybe to do another one, but maybe that's maybe that time has passed. I think. Well, I don't know. Apparently, COVID interrupted them working together. Um, oh, that's interesting. But I, th- but there's, I think there's for a few years there's been, oh yeah, we're working on it and we're doing this and doing that. I, I have no idea. Uh, well, but... one of the things he did since then uh, was Broken Bells. Had you heard of them before? Yes, I had. Um, when I first was kind of like a bit more open to listening to indie music in like two thousand nine, ten, eleven, um, they were around. I would see their album cover a lot. Um, yeah. And a friend of mine really likes them and always is always like sending me songs of theirs because they're, they're so his kind of pop band, you know? Um, so he's always, he's all, you know, he's always sending me songs of theirs to, to get into, but I'd never listened to, I don't think I'd listened to a whole album of theirs before. What I think I've listened to the debut album, Broken Bell, the self-titled um, and I like them just because I like James Mercer from The Shins. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a cool mix. And was he on that Sparkle Horse album? Mm, was he one of the vocal yes, features? Yes, I think he was. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, on the second one they, they did together. Um, and I just, I'd, what I hadn't realised since, because I hadn't listened to it in a long time, right. is how big some of those songs are in popular culture. Um you know, they're used in TV and film quite a lot on adverts. Yeah, so um, The High Road, holding, holding On For Life, is uh, from the second album, but that is, that is, I've heard that so many times. Right, okay. And again, it's the kind of music that you hear in shops and things on playlists. You wouldn't necessarily know it's Broken Bells, but they're very familiar tunes. Sure, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very, they're very applicable and... You know, no broken bells isn't going to come on, and someone goes, "Oh God, what's that noise? Turn it off!" You know, um, no, goes down smooth. Yeah, it's very cool pop. It's very like cool indie pop. Yeah, um, I, so I, I know that. You know what? Every time I watch an interview with with these two guys together, Danger Mouse seemed like he wanted to die. Like he seemed, he seemed so amazingly bored, and I don't know if he just really disliked who was interviewing him, because um, I saw a, a, an interview with him with Karen O uh, from last year, and he was—I couldn't believe how affable and chatty he was, because I just thought he was one of these really like, I really hope the other guy will talk instead of me, so I don't need to say anything, kind of people. Yeah. Um. So, I, 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 getting his thoughts on this project is really hard because he's just so reluctant to talk in these interviews. But I get the impression that this is a favourite project for him. Yeah, I I think so. I think it's, it's one where he's really just working on some musical bones that he likes to use normally in production. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, this is a, this is, this is a difficult one, Broken Bells. Um, 
for, for, I mean, you mentioned the 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 uh, the guy from the Shins, the singer. Um, so as far as I can see, they work together on the Sparkle Horse album. He really loves the Shins and him as a singer, and they work well together. I don't know why you would say I need that guy on my project personally. <laughs> and, and, and you know, I've never I've never listened to the Shins. I don't I I don't know their stuff. Um, but his vocal doesn't really stand out to me very much um but his vocal hooks and his melodies do um yeah the hooks and melodies in this are are fantastic you do get a lot of pop satisfaction on on these on these two albums um the the, i suppose the, the only thing the only problem i have with these is they are very mild they they um they're very soft there's not a lot of punch to them, um, and the, the, yeah, there's not much energy behind any of the songs. Yeah, the energy levels are pretty, are pretty kind of middling throughout. So it, it means like when you hear a song, I can hear when 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 I do the listening for these for these podcast listeners. In case you're interested, um, I listen to all of the albums over the course of a couple of weeks. And then I have, I listen, as in I listen to the albums as albums. And then I have all of those albums on shuffle at the end to kind of re-familiarise myself with, with, um, with the songs. And there's two things that can happen when I get that. It's either like, oh, I remember you, hello, yeah, you're a familiar face. Or I'm like, oh, you again, you know. Um, but, but I kept thinking, like, the, the Broken Bells albums didn't make much of an impression. But every time they came on shuffle, I was like, oh, this is really good. This is a good song. I think to listening listening to them as albums, they get a bit... You know, they, 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 don't, they don't have the, the tension and the, and the force and the punch and the energy to, to, kind of get, to get me through a whole album of it. But when they stand yeah, alone I- as songs, they're great. I'm used to hearing them in playlists, to be honest, and them standing out. They they stand out in a playlist, but when you put them all in one album, they kind of start to merge a little bit. Um, but I would like them to keep going. I'd like them to do another one. Yeah, get an um, album from there every five years wouldn't be wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, come on, Brian and James, do us another one, Thanks. please. Um, <laughs> so. Yeah. I thought we'd now talk about... And another thing to talk about uh, Broken Bells is in the second album, and maybe even their first one, I didn't look, but they had some uh, strings conducted by Daniel Lupi, oh. who is someone that collaborates with Danger Mouse quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, is an Italian... Is he Italian or just being racist? Might be just being racist. Um, but yeah, he's a composer that... Yeah, he's Italian. There you go. Yeah. He's a record producer in his own right, and he... Uh, he works with... I think he brought him in for that Red Hot Chili Peppers album to do some of the strings. Yeah. And he's basically his main composer guy yeah. that he brings in for albums, um, but they've also collaborated a bit as well. Um, but before we get to that, did you listen to an album called Joker's Daughter? I, di- I did. I did. What did you think about that? Um, difficult. Difficult Joker's Daughter. Uh, I liked, I, obviously, again, this is, you know, we're talking about bands that he's in, so he's much more of a writer and a performer on this on this project. Yeah, so, it's more of his complete vision. Yeah. And with so it doesn't quite sound like your typical Danger Mouse thing. There is a bit, there's a bit of a different atmosphere on this album. Um, 
there were a couple of songs that I thought were absolutely stunning, beautiful. The second track on it, I thought, was was just... That is what I really want from, from this kind of music. It was so... She was also not singing in English, um, with these just really stunning melodies and all that all that acoustic instrumentation and texture and sound and depth just worked so well. Um, but the... the that some of the more whimsical tracks on here uh, and some of the more whimsical lyrics really, really turned me off. Um, I probably liked a, just about half of this album and some of it really wound me up. I found it quite a struggle. To, this was my hardest album to get through. Wow, uh, that's surprising. And it slightly more harder than U2, because at least with U2 it just, it just happened. Yeah. Uh, with this, I found I had to forcibly make myself listen to it. Um, yeah, it does. I didn't think it was bad. I was just. Album. I think I was. I was never in the mood to listen to it when I listened to it. And okay. I think if you know, I might be in the mood one day. Yeah. Uh, and then it would go down a bit better. But I think you know, just on the face of it, it was quite hard to get into. I do find it weird, and I don't know if any of this is true because this is just from Wikipedia. But his manager at the time um, saw. Uh, Helena Costas, who's the other part of the band, the singer, yeah. not much um, of a known entity. Playing, really. no, just saw her playing at uh, a Yo Sushi and open mic, and mm. started managing her. And he got Danger Mouse to produce her record as a thank you for introducing Danger Mouse to CeeLo Green, and negotiating their first collaboration, which was the 26 inch record on Lex Records. Well, which led to them. Okay. So he introduced him to CeeLo Green, uh, and he was like. Help me out. Okay. Make an album with this lady. And he did. Good on and him. Here it is. Good on him. Uh, the Daughter of the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I mean, look, I, I couldn't call this a, a bad album. Or it's, you know. No, it's not bad. Um, it's, it's, it's not bad. It just didn't, nothing really no. stood out to me that much. Some of the more, yeah, the more sort of trivial songs are a bit tough. Yeah, they, they, so they like, very it, much grated on me, those songs. It's weirdly his, like... It's both dark and light at the same time, um, but doesn't work, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, it's got that kind of like silly carnival sound sometimes, like a yeah, like a school, f- uh, like village fate kind of vibe sometimes. Um, and yeah, lyrically, just just got on my last nerve. It's just like, why do why do why do people write these things about a silly bull? Um, um, anyway. So that was two thousand nine. Yes. Um, so that was after Niles Barkley uh, and before Broken Bells. Mm. And then after Broken Bells, uh, he gets together with Daniel Lupi um, and they create Rome as a collaborative yeah. album. Uh, what did you think of Rome? I thought, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's probably its coolest album, I'd say. I was really not looking forward to listening to it. Um, I, I listened to an interview with him and Daniel Lupi before... I, I was just looking for, for, for podcast interviews with, with Danger Mouse generally and a, 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 um, a Guardian podcast interview from around the time popped up and so I listened to that. It was very short. You could tell it was a, a Guardian podcast because they spent the first 10 minutes talking about what they'd been up to that week um, and it was only 25 minutes long and three minutes of it was the actual interview with the artist. Um, but from the sounds of it, I was like, oh, it's going to be, you know, it's P- 
people talking about Ennio Morricone and spaghetti westerns and soundtracks, and I, I that really, really just sends me to sleep. People talking about that kind of stuff, but I was surprised by how much it um, it is it is all those spaghetti western influences and movie soundtrack influences, but it still basically amounts to pop songs. It's pop songs through that filter and with that lush sound. I, th- I thought this was was a great album. Really, really, really nice. And some of the songs, like the best songs, were fantastic. Yeah, I think it's one of his better collaborative albums, I'd say, maybe. It's, it's just very interesting. It's yeah. it, it, It's not that like... You can hear a lot of him in it, but it's also not like a lot of the stuff you've heard from him before, if that no. makes sense. I think it's because it's quite, quite a split collaboration between them. In fact, feels. you would probably more likely hear this on subsequent albums than the influence of his previous albums on this. Yeah. Um, um, I thought all the guest musicians were pretty cool. Obviously, Jack White and Nora Jones were the main peeps. There was the one Jack White song about... The two, two of us, two, something about two. Two, two against one. Two against one. That song is so good. That's such a good song. It's good. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe. Like, I, I, I knew I really liked one of the Jack Black, uh, Jack Black. Please do a Tenacious D album, Danger Mouse. Um, I was, I, I knew I really liked one of the Jack White album uh, songs. It came on shuffle today. And it was way more than oh, I remember you. I like you. I was just like, whoa, what a good song! <laughs> kind of, I kind of couldn't believe how much I was like, wow. It kind of blew my head off today. Yeah, that's it's a pretty good album. Pretty good. I think you know if you haven't heard it already, seek it out. And also, Daniel Luppi, what he brings to this album and all, more or less all of the subsequent albums. That his string arrangements are stunning. They sound incredible. Yeah, they are pretty incredible. And he, they, I mean, so, you know, even even some of the weakest material gets elevated so much. Like that that sound wave set is that what they were called sound that band uh, short wave set. The short wave set. That album is full of these strings, and it's just. You, you, I mean, you, that's why I found that album so weird, you know, because they sound like a kind of nobody band with this stunning orchestral arrangement all over it. Um, it's like having jo- it's like having Johnny Greenwood on your album or something. It's just like what? Um, yeah, what he brings yeah, he's to very these albums is amazing. Yeah, composer. Um, and I think it's one of the albums of here that I would like to have, like, on vinyl. I think it would be very good mm. to own and hold and have. Yes, to have and to hold. Mean. For richer, for yeah. poorer. Um, <laughs> that, would be, that would be good. Yeah, yeah, no, re- really good album. A lot better than I thought it would be. Uh, and then his most recent album, um, and Danny Lupi, um, you know, pitches in again with strings Oh, he's stuff, all over but it, But this, yeah. his most recent album... Uh, is Lux Prima with Karen O. Uh, what did you think of that? I've, I think I've only listened to this once. I listened to it when it came out once, and I listened to it again and a couple of the songs a, a, a third time on my on my kind of shuffle section. Um, 
when I saw that this this uh, that this was a thing, I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. Probably, I'm not a giant yeah yeah yes fan really. Um, yeah, but I don't mind. You know, she's she's done really great stuff over the years, and there's definitely yeah yeah songs that I like. I like her contributions with uh, Swans as well. Um, does some really really good stuff with them. So I thought this could be really special as an album. Um, I, I have to say, it, it, it's, I appreciate probably she's wanting to do something different uh, on this on this album. But it, for me, it was just a bit. A lot of the time, it really reminded me of Zero Seven, um, who I you know I quite like Zero Seven, <laughs> um, but. You know, the albums I like of theirs are coming up to 20 years old. And this album came out last year. And, yeah, there were just times where I was like, this is sounding a bit, sounding a bit Radox to me. It sounds a bit Babyliss, to be honest. Um, it was a, I, I was surprised how much of a kind of chill-out vibe there was on this album. What about you? Uh, yeah, I, I was looking for... When I heard Karen O, I thought it was going to be either more singer songwriting or more... more energy or you know noisy it's a bit yeah no, or just something something but it's very <laughs> mild yeah uh, it's, super it's, lush. it's quite gloomy yeah it's lush yeah, very yeah, lush yeah. I mean, but it is quite gloomy and um i found it a little bit hard to listen to just because it was quite it's quite a dark album yeah um i mean i found what did you think of that, that the opening song really stands out just for being nine minutes i mean did you have any thoughts on that yeah, it's interesting trying seeing him play around with, you know, it it felt like he he's in a creative place now where he's really going for it. Yeah, um, and that's interesting. <laughs> it it made me interested in what he's gonna who he's gonna work with next. To be honest, yeah, um, just seeing him work with Carano and bring out not again, you know, maybe what we were wanting from her would have been too of much of a standard thing. Yeah, you know, it wouldn't have been a surprise. It wouldn't have been a bit boring. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I've yeah. with, with it's that good album. It's yeah, you can't you kind of can't fault again the sound. So lush. I mean, it's, it just sounds unbelievable. But there was a song I think called Ministry. Um, the 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 drum sound on that is just stunning. I thought. Um, I, yeah, that that was a standout track for me. The second track, Ministry. Um, but I just thought the first song in particular. Did I, tell me if this doesn't make sense, Graham. I thought it's rather than this being a long song, it sounds like a song that is being played for a long time. Yeah. Do you see the distinction? <laughs> it sort of over overstayed its welcome yeah. a little bit. I was just a bit like there's a long there's a long intro. There's a bit where she sings in the middle, and then he kind of carries on playing music at the end um what about the song woman did that stand out to you at all yeah that was good didn't that have um maxi priest on it Who's that, that was nice to hear him um he's just uh british oh sort of me too singer uh, <laughs> reggae reggae kind of guy okay he's okay cool. no, I, I don't think i noticed cool. i just thought that um, had do you remember do you remember back in the olden days graham when you would hear Date With The Night by the AAAs being played on the radio. Yeah. That was, that was, that was an interesting time, was it not? Um, 
it kind of gave me that vibe again where she's got the very, very saturated, distorted, overblown vocals and the falsetto. It sounded a bit more kind of up her street, maybe a bit more her typical thing. And him doing the slightly, uh, again, uh, 60s, 50s, 60s kind of backing to it, um, that kind of like Motown pop thing, but it's sounding very bleak and hard and distorted was I thought it was pretty cool um but yeah maybe if you had an old, a whole album of that it might have been like okay great Karen O did that amazing just did that again yeah. yeah so yeah I think it's a good album um but I think maybe I just need to spend more time with it maybe to be honest because I again I like I like Zero Seven <laughs> <laughs> can't say that enough Love <laughs> just, them. I just I like them so, yeah, that kind of brings us up to date on him um, with his own collaborations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and throughout this whole chat, we haven't really talked about... He's done a couple of songs here and there. Yeah. With, you know, he's put a couple of songs here and there for different albums. Were there any that like stood out for you? Because he's worked with Bus Driver, Adele, ASAP Rocky, The Rapture. He did, like, one song for Iggy Pop on a soundtrack. Right. Um... Did, did anything... Stand out for you? No, I have to say, not not really. I mean, I listened to the Adele song just before we recorded. Um, and River is that River Lee? River Lee, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, when you become amazingly successful, your local landmarks take on massive significance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what if I became very successful. I don't know what I would write about. Edgeware Berry Park High Road. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Deansbrook. Um yeah, so I, I I don't know. That was kind of you know, it was it was it was pretty good for a you know what actually I kind of thought maybe the Karen O album might have been a better Adele album or something. You know what I mean? I I I, I, yeah. <laughs> I could see him working with Adele because he's gonna bring that very like old school drama that she works well with. Uh, lots of vintage sounds, very, very lush, but also big and punchy and poppy at the same time. Um, yeah, I'd like him to do an album with her, actually. Yeah. Be... But I, I just can't stand Adele's vocals. Um, like, the way she pronounces things, she was saying the river Lee. I just like, what? What's she talking about? It's a fake accent that she does. <laughs> it's, it's like, isn't she from Essex or something? Anyway, um... But that was that was all right. What did you think? Fun? Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't really that Riverly song didn't really do much for me. Um, I thought his ASAP Rocky songs were a bit uneven. Yeah, it didn't really stand out. Um, I'd like to see him do a bit more hip hop, but you know, I don't know if he's interested in that. Maybe not. I suppose. Yeah, I, th- I think it's some... weird that he has been. You know, he's he's been saddled with hip hop producer when we've talked about. 20 albums that aren't hip hop. Yeah, virtually. <laughs> it's only yeah. done like six or Two or four. three, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and uh, the, the production that he gave ASAP Rocky was very much not hip hop production. It no, was kind of, exactly. they, were, they were more or less like indie tracks. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I, I don't really rate uh, ASAP Rocky much as, as an artist, but I did watch a little interview with him talking about it, and I have to say, he is a, a handsome devil. I didn't realise. Yeah. Yeah, it's he's, he's a good-looking guy. Um, um, I liked his two Rapture songs. They yeah, they were good. They were good. Yeah, 
Uh, but they yeah, were also I, very... They, for that time, they were very typically Danger Mouse, where he's got, like, the really blown-out, very cymbal-heavy drums. Um, it, yeah. could have, it could have been, like, a Niles Barkley instrumental um, on The Calling, I think it was called. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. it doesn't matter, does it? Does I'm going to say yes to that, aren't I? Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, he's done a couple of songs here and there, but really, you know, he's hardly, has hardly done any compared to some other producers that no. are sort of dipping and out. So he definitely seems to be more like he wants to be involved with the album as opposed to yeah. just coming in. Um, well, like I said, with with these kind of hit tracks here and there, this is when I start to it starts to un, undo my thinking on what what music and albums are a little bit. Um, it doesn't quite compute for me. Like I've got. You know, I've got eight producers on this album. I get it for hip hop, but for other stuff, I I just don't understand. Um, he's had quite a good run in the last two or three years. Oh yes. Um, I think I think we'll start off with probably one of the most recent because it would be less known. Um, did you listen to an album by Sam Cohen? I did. I did. What did you think of that? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was kind of okay. Um, it was um, again a great a great sound. Had lots of nice guitar playing and guitar solos on it, which you don't get much of. Uh, we will get some with with a later artist we talk about, but before this point, there's not been loads of guitar solos and stuff like that, and they sounded I thought really good. Um, what he did do a lot on this, uh, well, it kind of drew my attention to it, Graham, on this on this Sam Cohen album. He really likes a, a kind of kind of drum thing. He he likes a bit of an East yeah, Enders, a bit of an East Enders thing going on with with some of the uh, with some of the drum fills. And the Sam Cohen album was just full of them. These really like heavy Strawberry Fields Forever sounding drums, um, and like just just like really big bombastic drum fills that 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 bring the crescendos in. Um, I suppose that's the only thing that stood out as an actual, this is something that Danger Mouse seems to do loads of. Because as soon as I spotted that, I was like, he's been doing it on like every single album, <laughs> you know. Um, any thoughts on Sam Cohen? Uh, yeah, I thought it was all right. I had never heard of him, so it was nice to just find the musician I didn't really know about. Um, it did. There were bits of it near the middle of the album where I was like, this sounds like a Danger Mouse-like spooky fuzz out guitars yeah weird vibes um it, it did kind of feel like it overwhelmed him a little bit but then i don't know enough about sam cohen to know what his sound is really i think this um, was a collaboration yeah i think it was a bit of a 50 50 thing but I, yeah I, I don't know it was it was it was all right it was nowhere near uh in in the bottom the bottom tier um this was in the northern hemisphere for danger mouse not the southern um and then last year, he produced an incredible album by um, Michael Kiwanuka. Yeah. Have you heard of Michael before? I knew that he won the Mercury Music Prize. I was surprised to see him in the discography here and intrigued um, because it was quite a recent win, wasn't it? Yeah, this this was the one that he won for. Um, and I think he had produced a couple of tracks and played a couple of tracks on his previous album love and hate okay well, I, I listened to the whole um, of that yeah and that's that's good but this album i love this album yeah uh kimanuka is just it's great 
really seriously great. Yeah. Um, um, I, I might even say it's one of the best albums he's produced. Um, I, I, I think I kind of agree. Um, when I put the first album on, I was listening to it and enjoying it, and I was thinking, this sounds a bit Guardian album of the week for me. Um, and then I looked it up, and it was the Guardian album of the week when, when, it, when it was released. Um, but the more it went on, it's, you know what it is? It's, the, it's these... I didn't... I, I have to say, I, did, I probably didn't like the more funky, upbeat songs quite so much. But the, these, like, long, stately, slow-building ballads that are all over these two albums, they are amazing. And the, the, the way that they take off is always so subtle. There's no EastEnders drum fills on these albums. Like, it all builds so gradually... Um, uh, uh, some some parts of this were so glorious and stunning. Um, some yeah, of the songs. I think were. a lot of the vocals, the layered vocals and choirs and choral effects are really good in this. And it's like got a gospel, Motown, new soul kind of feel. Mm. Um, and the guitars are really sound really good to me. Yeah, I've, yeah I th- that, that's what was really nice is that it, they really take away the production and they boil down to more or less kind of rocked up soul songs you know it's, it's still it's like it's basic rock band um instrumentation uh but i i, th- I think what you've got here is an artist who has is forceful enough to to kind of relegate the significance of the production a little bit um yeah all the production does is is put these songs in the best light there's no point where I'm like, oh, that's just Danger Mouse, typical stuff. The only the only stuff that sounded very Danger Mouse, Daniel Luppy to me was the was the strings, which were stunning. Yeah, I think um, you ain't the problem. Opener is just amazing. Yeah. So, oh yeah. Um, and then Rolling, Living in Denial, Hero. I mean, the whole album is really good. It's true. It's true. Um, um, and I'd be hard pressed to pick like what's the best song. Highlights are so hard. And you know what it is as well. There's low. Danger Mouse can sometimes, I think, tamp down playing and performing. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of short albums and a lot of short songs, so you don't get like other than maybe on Lux Prima, you don't get lots of like long, flowing instrumental yeah. performances. But these songs really spread out and have space and. Uh, yeah, they're they're very nice, um, and I and I was a bit like, oh, Mercury Prize, here we go, you know. But it, it, yeah, very both both of the albums are, are really really worthwhile. Um, and then I think a final album we'll talk about that he produced in two thousand eighteen, Parquet Courts, Wide Awake, which is a great album. Uh, I love Parquet Courts. Wide awake, I love you. Had you had you had you listened to this before? Yeah, I had actually. Um, I think someone at my work is a big fan, so I've, it's been on quite a few times. Okay. Um, and I'd also heard Tenderness, which is the album closer, just out and about. Right. Uh, it's a it's a great. It's I think it's one of the like classic albums. I didn't know anything about them, and this is like their like. Many album? album, yeah. Yeah, they've done millions of albums. I um, 
I always uh, thought, well, I always heard the band name and thought that this is not a band for me. I don't know why. <laughs> I'd always thought they would be, I thought they would sound like churches or some, that, that sort of thing. I did not know that they were like exactly the kind of band that I love, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've been listening to this album steadily since it was released. I, I, I love it. Um, to the extent that it's, it's kind of a bit, I kind of don't really know what to say about it. Um, I think he added so much into the production of this one. Like, mm -hmm. it sounds like a Danger Mouse production, but it also sounds Definitely. like a great live band. It I sounds very sort of like, like they could almost be on stage doing it. It's just definitely his. Um, it's his best rock album. I mean, it's yeah, it's one hundred percent his best rock album, and it, it's a real good mix of like anger and funk. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Because it is. It is angry. Um, yeah. But, but not. But but in a slightly sort of like they sound like kind Positive of weedy way. guys. Kind of you know, um, I, like I just love. I just love the singer. I love the lyrics. I love how kind of tight and choppy everything is there's no like like so if you compare this to the black keys everything's very like fuzzed out and and intentionally messy but this is such a neat and tidy album um but it, like the drum sound the drum sound is so nice graham it sounds so nice like from for as soon as you pr press play on the album i am just in such a good mood um do you have do you have like standout songs on this or i think almost had to start a fight slash in and out of patience um it's the greatest the, song ever written. yes song. i agree yeah yeah that is just a <laughs> classic i just like the way that this this album sounds very nostalgic without sounding too nostalgic yeah yeah he's given it a sound of like it could have come from any time the last couple of 20 30 years yeah um but then it also sounds very like new i think mainly through the like the vocalist the lyrics yeah the lyrics and the vocals and just like just the tones of the guitar and it just sounds great it's like it, a, a warm hug yeah no yeah this this album i really it's it's a friend i i i love it like it's it's i'm just so um because because like i like i've said throughout this podcast i do struggle so much with indie music but i want it you know it's it's like when that yeah. last beach house album came out what was it called seven yeah um I, i'm like i spend years waiting for an album like that to come along because i want it you know and i look for it and when they come along i'm just like thank you thank you so much for being so good um and if i like i i, I sometimes wake up in the middle of the night graham and i'm think, and, and it's because i've had a dream that this album didn't exist what would have i mean <laughs> it, i i it, I just, you know, I just, I don't get many of these albums. I'm not the sort of person who I just like, I love a genre and I'll listen to anything in it and I just love it all. That's really not the case for me. I like albums. Um, like, I don't even really like the rest of their material. I don't like the album they did previously with Daniel Luppi. I've tried it and I can't really get into it. Um, but th th this is just so, I I'm just so grateful for this. Like, I'm grateful for the, for the Niles Barkley albums. You know, if they didn't exist, there'd be nothing like them um, yeah. in their place. Um, probably less so with Parquet Courts, really, with this album. But I just, it's just, 
an indie punk dance punk album you know and even again listening to it this time around some songs that i've i've kind of like oh yeah that's a good song really really landed for me like basically all the slow songs are where um where danger mouse kind of comes out you know it's when it's it's less cleaned up less choppy and tight everything loosens up and you see his instrumentation his influence come out a lot more sometimes he makes it feel a bit dubby and trippy and that song tenderness never really occurred to me what an amazing song that is before um yeah it's an incredible album closer as well it's like normally album closers are not that great sure yeah i'm with you but it's 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 like yeah it's one of the best songs. one of the best songs on the album <laughs> yeah um but but this also scratches like I love this in the same way that I love McCluskey or that I love um, like Mission of Burma or I, this is this is just like thank 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 you thank you. Is it fair to say this is your favourite album of Danger Mouse's discography? Niles Barkley, I probably have a bit more of an emotional attachment to. I think I think also the Nas Barkley albums, just that that CeeLo performance, um, and how tight and and unified it all is. Also, it's something that me and my wife have listened to together for years. Um, yeah. And so albums albums like that, like uh, she, I mean, Elsa is the one that really needs to talk about the Nas Barkley albums because she's got so much to say about them. They're two of her favorite albums ever. Um, so that I've, you know, that I can have, there's not loads of albums that both me and my wife love together. So I think Niles Barkley probably pips it, but the Parquet Courts album is, is one of my favorite albums of the last 10 years, I think. Yeah. I think for me, it's between Michael Kiwanuka and also, um, the Beck Modern Guilt album. That's just, I've always loved that album. So for me, when it popped up, I was like, Yes. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. It was so, I was so happy to revisit it. Um, but there have been quite a few really good ones on here. Also, Demon Days is a great album. Yeah, yeah. And that was really where he started, you know, in the big leagues. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I have to I, say I just... also that the Michael Kiwanuka albums were a big, big surprise. was not expecting them to be anywhere near as good as, as they are. And yeah. they're both basically as good as each other. I mean, it was was really surprising. Um, who, who would you like him to collaborate with? So we already said Adele might work. Um, anyone else uh, come uh, to mind? No, uh, 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 CeeLo Green? Yeah, yeah. That would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I don't know, man. I, I'll probably sound really out of touch here, because um, the, the the thing is, is he's got such a specific sound that I, I you just like what would it do to this person? So I, I don't know, like like Janelle Monet or something. I don't know. Um, I think I'd like to hear him work with um, Doja Cat. I don't know her stuff. I've never listened, I've never heard Doja Cat. She's got like a song that called say so or say something well i don't know um that's quite big at the moment but okay. i just think he'd be interesting with her also princess nokia might be interesting don't know her. yeah she's like another rapper um but i'd like to see him with some bands i'd like to see him with some yeah some rockers but i don't know that's the thing you 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 
but you wouldn't you wouldn't go oh yeah parquet courts he's perfect for them um, no so you, or you wouldn't go or oh, chili peppers obviously he was he needs to work yeah. with chili peppers um Let's give yes. him idols. See what it does with idols. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, like Let's tone down idols a bit. Because <laughs> I didn't want to mention idols because I, I don't like slagging them off. Um, but the, the, the Parquet Courts album, it's like, that's what I want. You know, there, there's, there's idols and then there's, there's Parquet Courts and that, that's, the, that's what I like a lot more. Yeah, they're in the same boat, but one half is pedalling in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, and the other one has bad breath it's just thrashing around yeah. yeah um but i do like idols but yeah they're, okay they're, they're very intense um so do you think he has an overarching sound because i remember going into this you were a bit concerned that he's got so many different albums he's worked on and he's done so many different things well my my yeah no my my trepidation with going into the danger mouse was that he does have such a distinctive sound and uh, I just thought I'd be going, uh, this one's really good and it sounds like Danger Mouse and this one's really rubbish and it sounds like Danger Mouse and you know what I mean? Um, I just thought there, there wouldn't be much to say. That hasn't been true, um, as, as we know by now. Um, yeah, does he have, does he have a, a, a typical sound? Absolutely he does. Um, he's very much... I thought I would be saying this a lot more throughout the, the, the podcast. Um I thought I'd be talking about pastiche a lot more um, because he is, he's kind of at his worst, I think, is just chasing after a, 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 a look almost, like a musical look, you know, like, like you're dressing in a certain way to, to present yourself in a certain way. And I think sometimes at its worst, the music can be a bit dressed up um, and there's not an, enough beneath it. So he's like, you know, his 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 love of um, 60s and 50s pop, um, spaghetti western soundtracks, sometimes they can get a bit, you know, like flattening the bass so much, flattening the drums. Um, he can, he, he makes things so sound like Danger Mouse. Sometimes it's great and sometimes it works kind of against the um the artist and the artist has the kind of fight against that that danger mousiness but the thing that, that i think the main thing that's that's most distinctive other than his production on like acoustic guitars and bass the acoustic through i have to say throughout all these albums the acoustic guitar sounds amazing um but it's is is those kind of chorus vocals the spooky kind of peopleless chorus vocals where yeah, omnius sort of yeah they don't sound like they're coming from anybody it doesn't sound like there's a choir um but he just he just chucks them all over the place as soon as he came in on on that that uh, gemini album it was those choral vocals it's like oh there he is there's that's that's danger it's danger mouse i was pointing i was pointing at the speaker um <laughs> what do you think graham yeah i think I really enjoyed getting to listen to albums I hadn't heard of before or known of before and just appreciating him a bit more as a producer. I always knew he was a good producer, but now I feel like I have more of a handle. I also like the fact that, you know, he's, what, not even halfway on his producing career. He's probably got so many more albums he's going to go through in the next, like, 40 years or whatever. Yeah, I mean... That's quite exciting There was about as much music to listen to for this one as there was for Terry Date, really, wasn't there? 
Maybe maybe a couple yes. of albums less. Yeah. Um, so I think there's loads more to come from him. And I'm I'm also like the idea that he, you know, half of it we were talking about things he produced and half of it was things he produced himself for his own collaborations. But it's interesting to find out that he is more, you know, his strengths lie in his writing, either with the band or himself. Mm-hmm. I think that's where he really shows his talents. Yeah, yeah. And I again, like I said, you once you hear that, it's like, obviously that's what he does, but it never occurred to me before that he would be such a an involved person. I always thought like someone would bring an album for him and he'd go, "Oh yeah, you know," and then just like twist twist the knobs and here you go. Um I yeah. He doesn't sound anything like that, I've discovered as well. He's got a very deep yeah. voice. Danger Mouse, we're, uh, we're, we're in awe of you. Keep Thanks, Danger Mouse. Work. It's been, good, for, it's been good fun to be spending some time with him. Blimey, Graham. That was bloody brilliant. What? Another incredible ride. I mean, we're just we're really going for it, aren't we, James? How do we do it? How do we do it? Um, yeah, I mean that was that's a, that's a lot of stuff there. I mean, I, I'm I'm casting my mind back to to going through these Danger Mouse albums, and it was a it was a roller coaster, um, to say the least. I mean, have you have you gone back to anything? Have you revisited anything? Do you feel differently about anything now, or are you are you kind of done with with Danger Mouse? I don't feel differently, but I have been revisiting Demon Days quite a lot. Uh, it just gets better with every listen, essentially. It gets better with age. Yeah. How about you? Uh, you know what? I, I, I don't really think so. I've just carried on listening to, to Parquet Courts. It's, um, I'm in love. I'm in love. I mean, what I did enjoy was putting together the, the playlist for this, for this episode, kind of going back through some of my album picks um, and picking out the stuff, and it, it was a bit of a oh yeah, this stuff was really great. Particularly the the Michael K- Kiwanuka stuff was really really nice to revisit. Um, but hey, look, listener, you might think we're talking a load of rubbish about Danger Mouse. We've got him all wrong. If there's anything you want to tell us, if there's anything you want to say um, about Danger Mouse or anything, you know, we're always here to help. Um, where can where can people do that, Graham? You can find us on Instagram at Production Wise Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Production Wise Pod. Drop us a line. Let us know how you're feeling. And most importantly, you can find us on Spotify, where you can find our specially oh, yeah. curated playlists. And it is, a, again, it's, a, it's another masterpiece. Um, please subscribe. Hopefully by now you can find us anywhere you would reasonably expect to be able to find a podcast. Um, we'll be with you every Tuesday. Um, and in fact, next Tuesday, it just gets bigger and bigger. We will be covering the legendary pop producer, Trevor Horn. Oh, my God, Graham. That's going to be monumentous, people. Monumentous. Monumentous. I didn't even know that was a word. So we'll be, we'll be learning and finding out lots next week. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for sticking with us, and we will see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye.